This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. This is It Was a Thing on TV. I give you Super Train. Episode 323, Submission 183, Infomercials from the 1990s. These infomercials from the 1990s were obviously from the 1990s, and they are all terrible. These infomercials from the 1990s aired from January 1st, 1990 to December 31st, 1999 for many, 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 many episodes. And some of them bled into 2000. During the 1990s, infomercials exploded in popularity. Oh, yeah. You could say that commercials have been around for as long as commercial television has been around. In fact, uh, doing the history quarter research, I found that the first infomercial was actually in 1949. It was actually created in 1949 for a Vitamix blender. Eventually, the FCC decided that doing a time period length commercial that is a television show disguised as an actual television show that is actually a commercial that was not going to happen so you have sort of the sponsorship playing in the backgrounds like if i can give a really good example the sylvania clock on beat the clock or the geritol podium that jack berry would stand in on 21. But then in 1981, uh, during the Reagan administration, the FCC lifted the prohibition on program length advertisements on radio. Three years later, they would lift the cap on television. And this would coincide with the death of the TV sign off, which is another entry where. With the shift to 24-hour television, stations would lease time to these sort of programs, these commercial-length programs, in order to basically fit the bill for more stuff. And one of the first infomercials was from a man by the name of Kevin Harrington. You may remember him from the first couple of seasons of Shark Tank before he was replaced with Mark Cuban. He is known as the godfather of the infomercial. So, without him, you wouldn't have the likes of Billy Mays or the guy with the sweaters and the glasses or... Anthony Sullivan, or Dion Warwick hawking the Psychic Friends Network. Hey, Chico, did you want that name of that guy with the sweater and the glasses? I want the name of the guy with the sweater and the glasses. Mike Levy. Mike Levy. Thank you, Mike. So, yeah, you wouldn't have all of these people 
who became sort of folk legends in the late night hours and on the weekend hours when there aren't any sports going on. Well, this week we found a few of those commercials from that Halcyon era. Some of them were bad. Some of them were incredibly bad. But almost all of them were sort of kind of formulaic in their pitches. And we're going to watch some of them, and we're just basically going to try and pick apart the art of the infomercial and whatever they were hawking at the time. Which one of you maniacs wants to go first? Okay, guys, I'm going to go first. And my first infomercial I want to talk about now, I just corrected Chico uh, literally two, three minutes ago about Mike Levy, the host of uh, Amazing Discoveries. And what I'm going to reference actually is one of those episodes of Amazing Discoveries. And I don't know if this is an infomercial more than it is essentially like a, a half an hour of bragging. But my infomercial uh, that I'm going to start off with, again, it's Amazing Discoveries. It's for what's called the Human Calculator. The Human Calculator? The Human Calculator, yes. Coming up next on Amazing Discoveries, we'll show you how to turn on the human calculator in you. Now, here's Ooh. the host of Amazing Discoveries, Mike Levy. Welcome. Welcome. That sweater does. I want you to meet a friend of mine who is fondly referred to as the human calculator. You'll see why. Scott Flansburg. What is 497 times uh, 35? What is that? 17,395. <laughs> right on the button. Oh, right. my God. There's more. Scott, here's a hard one. What's 4,379 uh, divided by 7. What is that? 625.57142. Wow, right out to all those decimal points. Now, Scott obviously likes math. Okay, I got to stop for one second. Look right behind Mike Levy. Everybody in the studio audience, at least in uh, the camera range, is a Girl Scout. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> There's like seven or eight Girl Scouts when, when the shot was a little wider. They're zooming in now on Mike Levy. But is that the best they could do is they could had to get Girl Scouts? They're like, hey, we're going to go see a TV show. Oh, yeah, we're going to go see Roseanne. Yay, we're going to see yeah, whatever, Blossom. Yay. No, you're going to Amazing Discoveries, and you're going to see this twit, the human calculator, spit out numbers like you won't believe. I love this one girl behind Mike's shoulder. She's like, she has his face like, can't believe I'm seeing this crap. We're told we're going to go to Disneyland. Man, I was hoping we'd be in the audience for Saved by the Bell. Oh, creepy. Hold on, look at the girl below her. Look I'm looking at her like, who the hell are you? Nobody a, told me math was involved. So such an enthusiastic audience. All right, let's go back to this. Okay. But let's be honest with ourselves. How many people in today's studio audience have been frustrated or intimidated by math? How many people here? Yeah, all of them. But you know, the important thing is that if you don't pick up math young as a child, it can actually slow down or stop how far you can go in life. It can limit how much money you can make. 
And aren't we tired of hearing how America's educational system is falling apart? How other countries like Japan are producing smarter kids? Huh? Well, yeah. today's the Jimmy is going to turn all head. that around because our special guest says that by the end of today's show, everyone in our audience and you at home are going to be able to do complex mathematical calculations, not on paper and not with an old-fashioned calculator, uh. but in your head. Scott, how is this possible? Mike, just keep an open mind because today I'm going to show you and everyone watching how to tap into this power we have. Deep Time down out. Inside pause. And we just pause. don't know how to turn it on. Does this guy here not look like Mike Francesa's doppelganger with a mullet? Sweet mullet. <laughs> Am I right or am I right? Or 11 times 2 is the mink man. <laughs> it's 822, people. No, I, I, I know how to do math in my head. I, I, I'm just giving that to the, the listeners because they may not know at the time we're doing this. It is 822. Yeah. And this guy, this Scott Blansberg guy, he is the real deal. He is an actual educator and he is a human calculator. I'm a skeptic. I need to learn more. How to tap into this power we have deep down inside us, and we just don't know how to turn it on. That would be great. But before you get started... Wait, wait, wait. Look, look at all the Girl Scouts. Literally, there's like one, two, three in the, the front row. There's two, at least two more at uh, least in that second 12. row. And then there's four more in the third row. And then everybody in the row, you only see like the, the, the bottom like uh, six inches of their tops. There must be like six more people. Did they ask the entire like Girl Scouts Council of Los Angeles to come to these infomercials? Probably. Okay. I the thing is, I when they actually uh, when Mike said that, yeah. Hey, how many of you struggle with math? And they showed the audience. Yeah, I, I did see more um, people than just Girl Scouts, but it's like, well, the Girl Scouts really need like better field trips, unless this is like the field trip for. Hey, we're gonna go see a show. This is for your your you know television badge or communications badge. Uh, I I see uh, Mr. Alexander has his hand up, so I'm going to go to him. Am I the only one who noticed that the people in the audience are almost exclusively women? At least from this shot. But again, when they showed that shot of the people clapping, you know, who hates math? Yeah! I did see a number of men there, but. Still, like I said, most of the audience members, I see a few adult women. Are they the den mothers? I mean, there's or whatever the, the equivalent of den mothers is in the Girl Scouts. Apparently, they needed seat fillers. All, all the real uh, people who wanted to see a TV show, they went to the Joker's Wild 1990 back in that time. I want to see Pat Finn. Yeah. I want to hear him say how. This is a game of definitions. Yeah. All right, let's jump in and then see what else uh, happens. I want Yeah, I want to see what this what what this guy's about. Yeah. We have one of our famous amazing discoveries challenges just for you. Are you ready? I'm ready, Mike. Okay. A while back, Scott Flansburg appeared on Gary Collins' home show, and by the end of the show, 22,000 people phoned in and admitted that they were poor in math. And we've invited four of them to join us here on today's Amazing Discoveries. And they're from across the nation. They're from Florida, from California, and even all the way from Alabama. Welcome, everyone. Now, here's the challenge. Scott claims that by the end of today's show, 
He's going to have you all doing complex math calculations in your head. Are you ready for that? Okay, Scott, go for it. Oh, no, Mike, I'm not going to do it. I've got to do this show with you. So what I did was I brought a friend with me that's going to take him backstage during the show and teach him how to do everything. Okay, bring out Scott's friend. Kevin, come on out. I need Kevin. There he is. Wait a minute. What? This is a little boy. You're going to train them? Yeah. Mike, should, I can't believe this. Yeah, Mike, that's just it. This program is so easy, anybody can learn it. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. Are you sure you can do this? It's a piece of cake. Okay, you're out of here. Take them backstage. Oh, if I could, if I could just point something out, this just seems Everyone. like the kind of thing that you would have no problem doing if you had the fundamentals in your brain already. Right? Maybe. I don't know. I'm still a skeptic. Illustrations from Scott. Okay. But just to make it interesting, we've enlisted the help of Ray Gaten. Now, Ray Gaten is a certified public accountant from a nationwide accounting firm, Panel Curve Forrester, and he's here to check Scott's accuracy. He's going to follow along with Scott using his adding machine here. And Scott, for every correct answer, you're going to hear this sound. But Scott, should you give us a wrong answer, Ray's going to give you one of these. Okay, thanks, Ray. And to give you some really tough problems, if you get we have five an entire minute, Girl Scout trip here in our audience. Number a chance to go shopping in our mall. I, I don't know if uh, you guys heard an entire Girl Scout troops in the audience, and they're going to pepper this guy with math questions. Now, one thing I'm, I, I, I don't necessarily like about this, apparently this is going to be maybe just add, subtract, multiply, divide, maybe some powers. No, you want real math. Let's get some derivatives out. Can this guy derive a uh, a fourth degree equation? I want to see that. 25 from Van Nuys, California. And they're going to give you some really tough problems, Scott. Are you ready? I'm ready, Mike. But afterwards, I want to show everybody how easy it is and that anybody can learn how to do this. Okay, but well, let's put you to work first. What is your name? Patricia. Patricia, let's give Scott uh, a big, long row of three-digit numbers to add up. Give him four three-digit numbers and Scott's going to add them in his head. Go ahead. 333. Plus. 454. Plus. 699. Okay, that's uh, 1400 and... Oh, sh**. I just lost it. 1486, I believe. And I'm doing this in real time. This is not edited in. You two can vouch for that. Can confirm. So, so this girl's not really giving hard numbers if I could do this in my head. Nine ninety nine. Oh, plus nine nine. Oh, I'm sorry. She did four numbers, so uh, uh, that would be what I say fourteen eighty six. So that would have to be twenty four eighty five. Then I think Chico's having a migraine thinking of all these numbers. No, I'm not really. No, I gotta give you. Okay, the thing of it is, what were those numbers again? Three three three. Well, let's go back. Let's go back. Yeah. What were those numbers again? Four three digit numbers, and Scott's gonna add them in his head. Go ahead. Three thirty three plus. 454 plus 699 plus 999 and okay. I gotta give you one too 2485 984 uh, but you did say 2485 I said 2485. Okay. I don't need a justification I know how to do math thank you and okay. I gotta give you one too here's one 984 <laughs> that would be 34 <laughs> I just see I, I calculated it <laughs> 3469 yeah I was gonna say that's why I thought Greg was laughing because he realized the last two numbers 
Well, here's the thing. If you listen to those numbers, they're not that hard to figure out. But well, like, that too. They're, that, that too is they're not that hard to figure out. Like 333. You're adding a random number, but you're adding like three of the same digit to that random number. And then you have like 799. You could just add 800 and take away one. And then you add 999. You could add 1,000, take away one. And the hardest number was the one Mike gave. Yeah, when we get to like, okay, I want you to tell me what three to the 47th power is. That's where uh, you make your money. I don't know if he'd do that, but we'll find out. 3,469. Nice. Nice. But yeah, I mean, seriously, I got it. Chico got it. And we got it basically in the same amount of time that this human calculator did. But yeah, he's right. 3469. Nicer otherwise. <laughs> Who else? Can you do division two? Sure, Mike. What, what is your name? Cassie. Cassie, let's give him a hard division problem. How about a four-digit number divided by a single-digit number? 5,973 divided by seven. 800 Yeah. Mike, it's so easy. If I could, could you have the girl that gave me the addition problems? I want to bring her down here Go down there, and teach her how to do it. Okay, and what's your name? Patricia. Patricia. When we normally add a column of numbers up, don't we start on the right-hand side and then go to the left and carry and all that stuff? It's pretty difficult. But I want to show you a really easy way to get the answer, okay? Now, instead of starting over here, let's start on the left-hand side. And this one right here, doesn't it stand for 100? Yeah. And what does this 2 stand for? 200. Okay, so now let's keep a running total in our heads, okay? What's 100 plus 200? 300. Plus another 100? 400. Right, plus 200 more? 600. Okay, now let's go to the top of the next column, which is the 10s, right? So this 210 stands for 20, so add it to 600, and what do you get? 620. Plus 20 more? 640. Plus 20 more? 660. Plus 10 more? 670. Okay, now look go to the top of the ones. What's 670 plus 3? 673. Plus 6 more? 679. Plus 1? 680. And 4 more? 684. 684, and that's the right answer. Trisha, Isn't you that easy? That in your head. Now, wait a second. I think there's a huge difference in doing math when you write it on a, a, a big piece of poster board like he did versus spewing out four three-digit numbers, even though, again, the, the numbers that were chosen, as Chico said earlier, weren't necessarily the most complex. I think there's it's more of a memory aspect, at least in my mind. Yeah, I wasn't trying to do what he was doing. I was just trying to remember the three-digit numbers that were mentioned. Again, I'm still skeptical, especially when I want to know how he did division. That 5,900 whatever divided by 7, you can't do any sort of trick on a piece of paper. There's there's some witchcraft voodoo going on here. Let's hear it for Patricia. I don't know. I so Mike, can't. bring it's me like the other girl that gave me the real hard division problem. I want to show her how to do something else. What's division if just uh, multiplication all sexied up, right? Well, but the thing is, I think there's a difference between... Yeah, nice sexed up numbers like you're talking about, but then like dividing by seven. Now he's doing, uh, oh, I remember this from the TV show. 
Uh, he's actually getting into powers, albeit just uh, to the second power. Uh, as long as it's closer, to, as long as it's close to a hundred. Well, but the thing is, there's actually some math involved in that, and I've found that out over time. Uh, it, it has to do with like um, if if you double the uh, number itself and add what is it? Add one? No, it's double the number and subtract one. So like one, if you double it is two, subtract one is one, okay? And then two squared is, uh, add uh, add to that one, add double two, which is four, but then take away one is three, three plus one is four. And then if you add five, which would be one less than double three, you get three squared, which is nine. It, it has to do with that. And, and, and that's true for all square numbers. Yeah, I know what he did was with uh, numbers uh, around 100. I remember stuff for that, like with numbers around 25 and 50, because a lot of the numbers, I, I, a lot of them just show up repeatedly in, in my math class. And even the other day, we were doing probabilities and, and we're dealing with decks of cards and students uh, have to deal with 52 cards, then 51. So how many ways could we deal those cards out? Oh, it's 2,652. How do you... Is it 2,652? Yeah. I'm sorry, I had to double check my math there. <laughs> but yeah, 52 times 51. Yeah, it's 2,652. And um, it's just one of those things that I don't know if it's because of teaching for close to 20 years or what have you, but they're like, oh my gosh, you're some sort of math freak. It's like, no, shut up. I'm not a math freak. It's just the numbers aren't that bad. So it seems like there's a lot of testimonials here. A lot of testimonials and a lot of people just like throwing out numbers. This looks worse than nightstand, if I'm being honest. I wonder if this actually, the set may have contributed to Nightstand's look. I, I do see that now that you say that. And then there's this lady who is the human cash register. Well, that's not terribly difficult. And uh, unless, you know, they're like, oh, well, uh, the bill was $19.14 and, and the person gave me $28.22. Well, what the hell was the person giving you $28.22 for? If they give you a 20, that's enough. I don't get, you know, the human cash register. Oh, absolutely amazing. Another thing that the, the, uh, you could do with this, uh, and that's where I've, I've frozen this at at this point, is any date, somehow, some way, you can tell what day of the week that was. I don't know if there's some sort of algorithm or what have you. Or, you know, for all we know, it could be just dumb guessing. You've got a one in seven chance of being right. But yeah, uh, they show different dates in different envelopes and say, okay, what day of the week was uh, June 8th of 1984? Hey, guys, uh, do you want to hear the uh, the big sales pitch with, with the phone number and maybe, you know, hey, we're going to save you a payment and all that? Yeah, let's do that. All right. I think this is a good way to end this segment. 
Now you can turn on the human calculator inside of you and get the right answers to complicated math problems in just seconds. Throw away that clumsy calculator. No more pesky pencil and paper and no more endless hours of frustration searching for the right answer. Now you can impress your friends by doing even the most difficult math problems in your head, often faster than a calculator. 1,858. It's so easy. Even a child can do it. Thousands of students all across America are turning on to math by turning on their own human calculators. All right, Nicole, we have your math book, and notice how I have to use a calculator for this. <laughs> you ready? What's uh, 462 plus 385 plus 517? What is that? 1,364. That's correct. That's really good. Sounds pretty easy, thanks. <laughs> that was easy? All right, Kyle, what's 24 times 97? Um, 2,328. <laughs> it's right. It takes me longer to put in the calculator. All right, Carly, your problem is 93 squared. 8,649. I'm not through pushing. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> if you're a parent or a grandparent who's frustrated because you can't help your children master math, don't despair. Scott's methods give people the ability to think mathematically. And after all, thinking is the key to education. And just for fun, you can amaze your friends by telling them the day of the week they were born on in just seconds. When you order your complete human calculator system, you receive four power pack cassettes that show you how to master even the most complicated math problems right in your head. And this step-by-step -step instruction manual that teaches you how easy it is to unlock the human calculator inside of you. Now, you'll come up with the right answers faster than you ever dreamed possible. You get the complete human calculator system for the amazing discoveries price of just $49.95. Join the thousands who have turned on their own human calculators by ordering now. To order your human calculator system for only $49.95, have your credit card ready and call toll-free 1-800-847-2244. Order now to receive your complete human calculator system, including the four power-packed audio cassettes and easy-to-follow study guide. Call 1-800-847-2244 or send check or money order to Human Calculator, P.O. Box 440, Creskill, New Jersey, 07626. Include $4.95 for shipping and handling. Now you or your child can be on the way to becoming a human calculator by calling 1-800-847-2244 now. Okay, I got a question. Well, I want to say Okay, you, you got a question, but I want to do a disclaimer. Okay. Don't call that number. I mean, no. it, 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 Don't it, do it. isn't active, but you never know. Maybe. maybe. Don't do <laughs> it. Just, hey, just wait, wait, wait. Well, hold on, Chico. It, it may be sort of like Wink Martindale with that cruise for the Alfred Hitchcock. I've been sitting here for 31 years waiting for somebody to call. You know who'd be on the other end of the line? Sting. Doing the WCW hotline face. But okay, that whole thing where you can figure out where you're born, about what day of the week you are, that's not impressive. Adam Needham does that trick regarding what game shows on the day you were born in. That's hey, more impressive than that. Just ask Conan. Well, well, but also, I'm sorry, I'm never asked that question. You know, what day of the week uh, was I born? But also, I know for a fact, doing the research, I was born on a Monday. So, you know, I'm not going to just be at a party and be like, hey, can you tell me when I was born? No, I know that already. I already know TV shows that aired that day. I sort of pulled a, a, a quasi need Hold on a second. I know I was born on a Friday on May 25th, 1984, because I know that sadly... Tom Bray did not have the 30 that day. <laughs> I just know I was born on a Saturday. 
I couldn't tell you what happened on January 19th, 1980. All I know is it was a Saturday. Well, yeah, that uh, what would have aired on a Saturday? Obviously, none of the daytime game shows. So, oh, I know yeah. what would have, would have aired on that Saturday. Oh. Super Bowl 14. That was the Steelers and Rams. Yes. Yes. Okay, so at least and you the Rams won. No, the Steelers. No, won. Steelers won. Yeah. Oh, see that would have uh, for that would have forecasted my uh, my sad football fan phase that I'm currently going through oh, right now. Hold on, no, the Rams wouldn't get that first Super Bowl for another twenty years. And uh, Kurt Warner would lead them. For crying out loud, guys, Super Bowl 14 was played on Sunday, January 20th of 1980. When has the Super Bowl ever been played on a Saturday? Anyway. <laughs> okay, so that's that infomercial. We're done with that. So, Chico, you can... That. Yes. Now, Chico, you can go through your infomercial first. Well, staying with Mike Levy, he wasn't about to help you unlock the power of your mind for numbers, but also words. And he got a little bit of help because there was a there was a thing called alphanetics where well I'll just let these guys explain it. Wait, you mean this isn't the end game to password plus? Oh, that's alphabetics. I'm sorry. That's alphabetics. Now here's the host of Amazing Discoveries, Mike Levy. Welcome, welcome. We've got a great show for you today. Now, today's show is all about reading. Now, I'm sure most everyone out there knows how to read, but what if you could pick up a good book and read it cover to cover in just a matter of hours? Or you could pick up a newspaper and read the whole newspaper, not just the headlines, but the whole thing in just a matter of minutes. Wouldn't that be good? Wow. Here's a book for you to read while you watch the show. <laughs> well, on today's Amazing Discoveries, you're going to meet Owen Skousen. Now, Mr. Skousen is an educator, an author, and the creator of a powerful new speed reading system called Alphanetics. And he says his system can unleash a power within you that will allow you to literally read at lightning fast speeds and remember what you've read. Now, wouldn't that be nice? And you're going to meet a guy that we found that may just be the world's fastest reader. And we'll see because we're going to test him on today's show. And I'll tell you, you'll be amazed at what he can do. I'm going to call BS on the world's fastest reader. I'm going to call sort of BS on the entire thing because I don't know if this is the same person or same guy. Uh, but I remember seeing something about this time where literally, and I'm going to use a prop. I'm going to use a magazine here. But literally what they would do is just like wag their finger down the page, wag the finger down the page, go to the other side. And that's how they read. And they covered like, like literally a page, like in every second or second and a half. How? I, I, I'm again, I'm playing the skeptic card. I'm with Greg on this though. I want to hear this myself. Let's see what he, see what he I, I always thought that speed reading takes a, a special kind of person to catch on to it, doesn't oh, it? Oh no, Mike, anyone can use the program and benefit from it. Alphanetics program is designed to be used by anyone. Anyone can benefit by it. Well, now I've seen people speed read, they're flipping through the pages and they're running their fingers down, but do you really remember what you've read? Mike, you understand that it doesn't matter if you're reading fast or slow, if you don't understand what you're reading, it doesn't really matter. The system was designed to help people read not only faster, but with much better comprehension than they've ever had. Dude, answer the question already! 
Hold on a second, guys. I just realized something. Looking at this man, does he not look like Ernest Borgnine? Now I see it. Now I can't unsee it. Now, Mike, play no! it. Please. No, I don't need that visual in my head. I have to say, hey, this guy looks like Ernest Borgnine. Okay, for you, Greg, I'll play it. Thank you. I masturbate a lot. For a moment there, I thought he was going to say something else. Anyway, we have this classroom. He's administering the SAT in the classroom. And he's basically doing a bit of a demonstration with a TV screen with these items. You have a banana, some apples, some donuts. You have I think sc- that's a cannon. No, that's a paint roller. That's yeah. a paint roller. A fire, a fire extinguisher yeah. and a laptop with a nose on it. It's a crappy laptop. And there's a banana and it looks like a golf ball. Yeah. Yep, and a golf ball. Junk. <laughs> looks like my, my closet. <laughs> what a mess. What is this? Okay, now Mike, tell me what you saw there. Uh, I think I saw some sort of a, a red tank over here, a fire extinguisher, uh-huh. something like that. And in the middle here, there was like a typewriter. Where our, uh-huh. It was a laptop computer with a screen with somebody stuck a nose on the front of it or something. <laughs> and uh, trying to pull my leg here. And probably, I think there were a couple of bananas up here, something with a, a white, maybe a golf now, ball. Now, Mike, that's, that's great. You saw that whole screen side to side from, from, hey, from top to pretty bottom. Pretty good. I did pretty All good with sides. this. That's, that's great, Mike. I was gonna I'm great with this. All right. Now, now, let's take another little test here. Okay, I'm ready. We're going to put another picture on. I'm you ready? I'm ready so far. Go for it. Okay, ready? Go. Wait a minute. That's a bunch of words. I can't... I, uh, I'm Owen. Like, wait, how would you read, Mike? What did you read? Uh, not very much in three seconds there, Owen. It said something like, everyone reads or something like that. Everyone knows. Is that all you read? Is that all you saw? I remember seeing... I think I remember seeing someplace amazing discoveries Okay, in Mike, that's my whole point. You started reading where you normally read, one word at a time at the top, right. but your eyes saw the whole page because you saw amazing discoveries down here. Oh, yeah, you it's all the way down the here. Whole page. Yeah, basically, the secret to the whole system is looking at as many words as possible in as little time as possible. That's, that's not, basically it. That's not impressive at all. That's neither amazing nor a discovery. No, well, that's also, I'm going to agree with Greg because, you know, the words that you need to look at need to be the important words. If you just take a look and you see a bunch of those and us and yeah, you, you don't get a lot of the, uh, the, the meat and potatoes of the, the passage or whatnot doesn't do you a whole heck of a lot of good. This is basically a, a monetized version of the, how to study using the SQR method that we learned in grade school. That's all there is to it. But I will keep this on because there's somebody I want you to meet. And I am going to try it, too. You know, we heard a lot of numbers being thrown around. Reading speeds, 1,000 words a minute, 2,000 words a minute. To understand what all that meant, I went out and got a copy of the Guinness Book of World Records. And I looked up to see how fast the fastest reader reads in the whole world. And he reads very fast. And we were going to invite him to come on our show today. But our research staff found someone that they say reads even faster. Welcome to Amazing Discoveries, Fred Hirsch. Fred, what do you do? I work for a Phoenix law firm. Phoenix law firm, and you're a pretty fast reader? I get by. Okay. (laughs) 
And we're going to test you on today's Amazing Discoveries. And if you beat the world's record today on Amazing Discoveries, you will see a world's record set that we're going to submit to the Guinness Book of World Records. And to make things even more fun during this test, we've also invited someone else in the Guinness Book of World Records, John Mashita. Now, John is the fastest oh. talker in the world. Welcome to Amazing Discoveries, John. I'm looking forward to being here now that I'm here. I'm really happy that I'm here. I know things are going to go great, and I'm looking forward to doing this whole concert. Okay, okay. <laughs> Is there a reason why they put the fisheye lens on them? Give them both something to read. We chose a book, a big book, War and Peace, almost 1,200 pages long, and we're going to have them start from book two. Open up your books, open up, and we're going to let them read for 15 seconds, and then we're going to calculate their words per minute. You ready? On your mark, get set. Go! In October of 1805, the was just talking. 999 words. 999 words per minute. One more guess. How about you? I'd say about 400. 400 words per minute. Okay, up in the booth. How fast was John Mashita talking? According to our calculations in the booth, Michael, we're 500 words per minute. 500 words a minute. Okay, wait a second. Now, for the world's record, let's let them tabulate. Let's take a couple of guesses first. How fast do you think Fred Hirsch was reading? About 798. 798 words a minute. Anyone else want to guess? You want to guess? Uh, 3,000. 3,000 words a minute. Okay, three, that's pretty fast. Okay, for the world's record, up in the booth we have a CPA with a lot of adding machines up there. How fast was Fred Hirsch just reading? Uh, Mike, according to our calculations, Fred read 18 pages at 500 words per pages. He read for 15 seconds, so we multiply that by 4 for 1 minute for an average of over 36,000 words per minute. 36,000! That's the world's record! I call BS! I call Bull BS! Effing All crap. of us call BS! Nope! Hey, Chuck! Chuck, help me out here! Chuck, help me out here! Nope. No, Chuck knows it's not a world record. Forget Chuck Testa. Uncle Gablogan, what do you think of that? Bullshit. Bullshit. Well, also, first off, I think we should clarify for uh, everybody who, who may not know the world record process. You can't do like visual submissions like this. You actually need somebody there to actually witness somebody from the Guinness uh, Corporation or, or whatever you, you want to call it. Well, a proctor or again, a certified witness, because this could have easily been edited. Plus, also, seriously, what this guy was doing, again, using my, my prop magazine here, here's what he was doing. Oh, okay. Oh, it looked like he was flipping through the book. Didn't look like he was reading. Plus, also, yeah, they, they counted the number of pages he went through. They didn't ask him any questions about what was on those pages. Wait for it. The fastest reader read 25,000 words a minute. Congratulations. Of course, otherwise it wouldn't make any sense. Well, let me give you let me give you a little test here. Now, I'm not a fast reader here, so just give me a chance here. I got to think of a question. Just a second here. It's hard to talk while I'm reading. Okay, here we go. Uh, what was the name of a soldier, a Russian general that was that was fighting near a bridge? Well, it wasn't a Russian. It was a German soldier, and his name was Schmidt. 
and he was killed at the bridge <laughs> at 7 o'clock p.m. Look at Still not saying uh, no. That, that, I, that, I, there's shenanigans going on here. I think. Oh man, I, man, something hanky's going on here. Oh, I'm, we're done with this. We're I, done. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play the thing, and then we're gonna move on. Okay, I'm gonna play good. the thing, and then we're gonna move on. Good. The ending, thanks to Alphanetic. All this and more when we come back on Amazing Discoveries. There's your Amazing Discovery, pal. Does this look like your house? A pile of newspapers here, a stack of magazines here, and a mountain of books over there? You can't throw anything away. Someday you're going to get around to reading them, right? Or are you a student getting further and further behind in your homework because you just can't seem to stay on top of the reading assignments? Does keeping up with your job require you to read and read and then read some more? Read this for tomorrow morning's board meeting, Cromwell. So much to read that you have to take most of it home with you at night and still keep working and working and working? Well, you're not alone, but now you can join the thousands who read 5, 10, even 20 times faster thanks to the powerful alphanetic speed reading system. This program helped me to like read faster, so now I have time to read on myself, and I just like, I think reading's fun now. When I first started out, I was a below average reader. Now I'm reading about 2,000 words a minute, but better than that, I went from a C to an A in English. Not bad, huh? Imagine reading your favorite magazine article in seconds, or the whole magazine cover to cover in just minutes. Level. No more messy stacks of newspapers, and no more heaping piles of magazines cluttering your house. You've read them all thanks to Alphanetics. Think of how good you'll feel when you finish your homework and see your test scores shooting up with the help of your new reading ability from the Alphanetics system. And say goodbye to bringing home your job stress and unfinished work. Instead, say hello to your family and friends, and start enjoying your time with them. You may even find you'll finally have some free time for yourself, too. Oh, well. No matter who you are or what you do, knowledge is the key to success, and reading is the single most important key to knowledge. The Alphanetic System shows you the secret to unleashing a power already within you that will take your mind out of the scrambled traffic jam of words and allow you to quickly read at lightning speeds, yet remember and enjoy what you've read. Now I can pick up a book and read it faster than I have been able to, and I never thought that I'd be able to read as fast as I am now. When you order the powerful Alphanetic Speed Reading System, here's what you'll get. Five power-packed audio cassettes that will show you the Alphanetic's way to turbocharge your reading ability. You'll see surprising results in just minutes. Next, the easy-to-follow Alphanetic's instruction manual that takes you step-by-step -step through the powerful system. You'll be amazed at just how easy it is to master the Alphanetic system. Thousands of people have paid as much as $200, $300, even $500 to learn speed reading the old-fashioned way. But as an amazing Discoveries viewer, you'll get the entire powerful new Alphanetic system for just $59.95. Start enjoying a lifetime filled with pleasure and knowledge through reading the Alphanetics way. Here's how to order. To order the complete Alphanetics system for only $59.95, have your credit card ready at call toll-free. 1-800-334-6600. Order now and you'll receive the five power-packed audio cassettes and the complete easy-to-follow step-by-step instruction manual. Call 1-800-334-6600 or send check or money order to Alphanetics, P.O. Box 4399, Albuquerque, New Mexico, 87196. Include $5.95 for shipping and handling. Start enjoying a lifetime filled with pleasure and knowledge through reading the Alphanetics way. Call 1-800-334-6600 now. What a load of crap that was. Oh, Greg. Well, there goes a hopes that Greg was just going to casually read War and Peace for fun. I don't even read War and... Hey, this is why the good Lord invented clip notes. You're not wrong there. I was hoping you are going to say, and there's the reason why I hope War and Peace comes in a coloring book version. Okay, well, 
Now it's time to get to what I've been dying to talk about. We're going to talk about a man by the name of Donald Prayer. And this guy was everywhere in the 1990s, hawking all sorts of crap. But this one is iconic because me and my brother would watch this infomercial all the time. And we would completely crap all over the infomercial. So I'm just going to show like a four-minute highlight package. And, oh, this is so great. The second way to make money that I stumbled onto was placing tiny classified ads in the newspaper. If you create and test one tiny classified ad in the newspaper that makes just 30 to $40 profit in a week, it could make you a fortune. What? Because the secret is learning how to take that one tiny classified ad that just made thirty to forty dollars profit in yeah. a week, and to realize that you could now take that same exact ad right. and place it in up to three thousand. Three thousand. Around the country. That's what I did. I found tiny classified ads tiny classified that made ads. thirty to forty dollars profit yeah. in a week. And I placed those ads in around a thousand other newspapers around the country. Wow! That's how I generated over $50,000 a week Whoa. out of my one-bedroom apartment. And in my okay, let me, pack, let me get this straight I'll here. Let me okay. get this straight here. All right, Chico, go ahead. Step one. You sell these tiny classified ads. No, not, not tiny classified ads, sir. Tiny classified ads. These tiny... Tiny classified ads. You put them in newspapers all over the country. Yes. Step two. Step three. Profit. Basically. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, hold on. That is one thing that uh, he didn't mention is that step two. What is he putting in the classified ads that actually generates money? Who knows? Like, for all we know, he could be putting. Tiny classified ads for Hoot Wireless. Who knows? Hoot Wireless. Hoot Wireless. Uh, you're starting to sound like Jimmy Walker there. Maybe those tiny classified ads are going to make you money. <laughs> money. 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 Secrets about placing ads that's going to make you wish you started doing this five years ago. And there are millions of different types of ads millions. that you can create. I've been talking about doing this for the last five years, and I'm still placing classified ads in newspapers. You're still doing this? The country every day of the week. Every day. I've been doing this for the last five years. Five years. And I'm still making millions, millions. of dollars doing exactly what I'm talking about. And now there are people that got my making money package and they started placing tiny classified tiny. ads in the newspapers just like I did. Was it Okay, pause this pause the tape. Okay. I want I want to point out something here. Okay, hold on. I right, go ahead. Well, it said that Don LaPraise, if you do this, you can make more or less. So you could do this and make absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, they got to put that disclaimer in because what is being sold is saying, hey, you could make money, but, you know, so I'm sure somebody did not make money and they're like, okay, Don LaPrey, where's my $50,000 a week or whatever number he said he was making in his little apartment or whatnot? 
So yeah, you've got to say, just like any investment, there's a possibility you could make money, but there's also a possibility you could lose money. Just like crypto, you could make money, but really, if you do crypto, you're going to lose money. Right, Odell Beckham? We talked about that in the pre-show, the behind-the-show uh, show. Go listen to that. <laughs> the first time I'm, the checks were in the mailbox, I could not believe it. Just by ordering the making money package, by placing one time uh, so These people another, represent some of Don's top students. If you or... Or it doesn't sound right. <laughs> Does it? That's what the disclaimer says. How long did it take you from the day you got the Make Money package before you? you it's only thirty nine ninety five. Newspaper plus and shipping you and handling. Results. How long did it take you? No more than four or five days. And how did it do? It did phenomenal. It's, uh, it's still doing phenomenal. One time when I was at Don's office, I walked in, and on his table there, uh, there was stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of these sheets of paper stapled together. And I said, what is all this? And he said, well, those are my ad tracking sheets for all the ads that I have running all. Those are my ad tracking sheets for the tiny classified ads. All over the country. Uh, that's really when the reality of the placing ads really hit me. That, ironically, was just a couple months after I ran my first ad that, that did just under $9,000 in sales. Did you ever think in one day you'd be depositing 3700 bucks in the bank? <laughs> Another day, 2400 uh -huh. Another day, 5000 bucks. These yeah. are da these are daily, right? Yes, those are daily. You can read the dates on them. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. If you do, do not mention the check he got for uh, 52 cents and a middle finger. making so much money, you may not want to do anything else. But the third way to make money okay, that I third way. stumbled onto that ended up generating over $80,000 Wait. week after week. Hold on. Did he just say? Wait, wait. No, is that did he just say? That man just said $80,000. $80,000? Who the heck did that? Don LaPrey was Gene Snyder. Was getting set up with my very own 1900 line. The 1900 business has grown into a mega million dollar giant, and now anyone who wants to get set up with their own 1900 business can. In just okay. a few days from today, I've seen you can be something like this your... happen before that leads me to believe it may or may not work. No. Let's just say. Zach Morris is trash. Well, now well, hold on. Not just Zach Morris. Al Bundy did that. Oh, he had, really? He had a 555 shoe. Actually, the episode, I think, was called 976 shoe. But, you know, it did, uh, that might have actually been a real number. But he, he had his own shoe hotline. Wait, he was I, Dr. Shoe. <laughs> Dr. Shoe? Dr. Shoe. What did he do? He, he gave shoe advice. He gave... He's he's Dr. Shoe. Is the shoe not fitting you properly? Dr. Shoe will help you. If you have any shoe-related questions, Dr. Shoe will be there. And the thing is, unfortunately, Dr. Shoe's line didn't work, uh, 555 Shoe. But, you know, there are other things that uh, the numbers uh, that uh, S-H-O and E are on spell. Al, tell us some of them. Hi, Dr. Shoe again. I've been telling you about my shoe line. Nobody cares. 
<laughs> so let me mention something else here. 555 shoe also spells 555 rind, 555 pimp, and 555 rigney. Remember, nobody knows as much about rigney as Dr. Rigney. And just remember, if you have a problem with Rigney, you can call Dr. Rigney. Very own 1-900 line. And listen to this. You don't need any equipment because there what? are companies out there that They're are companies. service bureaus that okay. already have all the 1-900 programs all right. completely set up. Not oh. only that, they'll even take the calls for you for around 10 to 15 cents a minute. Oh. While you're sleeping, you can oh. be making money. If That's you can great. set up with your very own 1-900 line, the only thing you'll ever have to do is advertise to get people to pick up the phone and dial your 900 number. The phone company even collects all the money for you oh, and there are programs like programs. sport lines, oh. psychic lines, date yeah. lines, okay. lines that are already completely set up. Having a 900 line could be one of the most exciting things you have ever done not to mention the money that could be made. Listen to some of my top students that got set up with their very own 1-900 program. I've told all kinds uh, of people. No, no, no God. Well, hey, does anyone else think that that guy looks like Clay Aiken? Well, maybe you can ask him on Wheel of Fortune Live. Toward all the way, country. By the way, we had a 1-900 episode. He did not mention Freddy Freaker. No. No, but I've got to say, <laughs> I was reading some of the YouTube comments about this last week to you guys. I love this one. Kids in 2021. What's a newspaper? What's classified ad? I just like the name of the, uh, the handle of the person that, that posted that. Manu Ginobili's bald spot. This is the best comment. He sounds like he's trying to sell you something while squeezing out the longest dump in history. Oh, oh there it is. Uh, oh. Uh, oh, no. This might be from Freddy Freaker because it's from somebody named Freddy. I actually purchased his initial package for $39.99 when he first advertised it. When it arrived in my mail, I remember feeling excited about becoming a millionaire. Guess what I drive now? A 2003 Honda Accord. Who's laughing now? Now, we should mention that, unfortunately, Don LaPrey did ultimately take his own life uh, while he was awaiting trial for... I don't know. You figure it out. I'm not going to mention who put this here, but he said, and this is a quote that I am reading on YouTube, on this whole internet. I am not making this up. I read about Don LaPrey's death in a tiny classified ad. The internet will make you do some stupid things, y'all. All right. That's how he wanted to go out. Good. Yeah. Good. In a, in a tiny classified ad. All right. Let's go. Oh, ahead. I think, you know, seriously, maybe one of us should pay for like a two line classified ad and just put in there 
Don LaPrey, and whatever his birth date was to whatever his passing date was. There you go. We have a little tribute to Don LaPrey. A tiny classified ad. So, I'm still not sleepy. What else we got? What else do we have? Oh, hey. Uh, my second uh, infomercial that I'm going to talk about, it's actually an infomercial from probably maybe the undisputed king of infomercials, maybe questionably uh, given that title, the one and only Ron Popeil. And Ron Popeil, as you may know, he pitched many things. I think what he's best known for is the um, is the rotisserie grill, the Showtime rotisserie grill. That's the one that has been on forever. I mean, it may have started like in the late 90s, but I'm sure somewhere even nowadays, someone's airing that infomercial. Like hey, what? That, hey, three that years after us, his death? Yeah. Hey, that gave us that age-old line, set it and... Forget it! That, that's part of almost like uh, the American lexicon, if you will, set it and forget it, because... That was mentioned so much on that infomercial for, for the uh, rotisserie grill, that is. But before that, he had another infomercial, and this was for a pasta maker. What kind of pasta does it make? It makes all sorts of pastas. I mean, you could make linguine, you could make lasagna, you could make fettuccine, you could make any type of, of pasta that you want, it comes with different dyes. And actually, oddly enough, I'm looking at uh, the, the YouTube page right now before uh, getting into this uh, into this uh, infomercial. And there's 12 different dyes. So it can make whatever type of pasta you want. But I'm going to take a page out of Greg's book because uh, he mentioned... Um, watching the Don LaPrey infomercial with his brother. And uh, there's a couple of like key moments that uh, sort of stuck with him and his brother. I had the same sort of feelings watching this with my sister. There were certain things didn't stick with me, but they stuck with my sister and she would have been probably about 14 at this time, 13, because this infomercial is from 1993. And this is like always like her go-to joke, just when she's feeling goofy. So uh, there's this show. It's called Incredible Inventions. And I think uh, that name was only used for this episode for the pasta maker because I don't think they, the uh, the Showtime Rotisserie Grill had a show title per se. It was just, you know, Ron Popeil's Showtime Rotisserie Grill. And I'm going to play this. In like the third segment of the show, the uh, there's some audience members that come up, uh, including actually Ron Popeil's daughters, and they actually point that out. I, I don't care about Ron Popeil's daughters. I, that's not the reason we're going to listen to this. But there's two takeaways that my sister had from this. And again, this may show just the goofiness, the connection my sister and I had. Enjoy. It's as simple as that. I want to know who some of these folks are. Can I find right out? What's your name? Where are you Anna from? I'm Zorn. I'm from Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. What do you think? I don't cook, and this is amazing. It is. This is Hi. What's your name? Where are you from? Greg Bailey from Cleveland, Ohio. You've been watching us do this. You're about to do it. What do you think, Greg? I think this is fantastic. Good. Good. 
it's whisper quiet. And my gosh, and where are you from originally? Lawrence Ely. Well, you, bet you know a lot about this already. What do you think? Well, this is great. Good. This is great. Good. Hi, tell me who you are. I'm Terry Scott. Where are you from, Terry? Kewanee, Illinois. All right, how do you like this machine? Oh, it's incredible. All right. Oh. Keep those last two people in mind. They're the two people I'm going to talk about momentarily. We're going to meet Ron Popeil's daughters, but then they're going to go back... Uh, the hostess and see what they're creating. Hi, I know who you are. Tell us here, Abby. Hi, Fabian. Who's this? I am Rumpelbeer's daughter, Lauren. It's good you're here, ladies. You're making the chocolate pasta. Ooh, let's see it. We're going to go over and see uh, Jan, and yes. Jan's going to tell us a lot more about what you can do with our uh, Popeil automatic pasta machine. We've done cornbread and, and pecan rolls, multicolored cookies, breadsticks, large loaves, pecan loaves. We've done bagels, rugula, peanut butter cookies. What do you think, folks? <laughs> Thank you, Jen. What are you making, our lady from Florence, Italy? I'm making lemon pepper pasta. And it smells so good. I can smell it from here. <laughs> Dead serious. My sister would do that all the time. We'd be watching this and she'd be like, I'm making lemon pepper pasta. I can spin it from here. It's the stupidest thing. But it gets even better when we get to that guy after uh, this uh, lady from Italy. Again, this is this is the Klaus household in 1993. <laughs> this is the insanity that we not just had to deal with, but we created on our own. Just, just listen to him. I bet you never thought it would be this easy to make something. What do you make? Cajun linguine. Cajun linguine. Cajun linguine. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you making? Cajun linguine. Cajun linguine. Cajun linguine. Yeah. Is it, is I'm it... making Cajun linguine, baby. Cajun linguine. Isn't he from It's like he's saying it like he's literally looking forward to eating it. He thinks he's going to eat it. He's not going to eat it. Hold on. He's from Illinois, he said, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he's making Cajun linguine. Cajun linguine, yeah. He's going to own a walk-ons franchise in 15 years. But it's just some of these stupid things. That's what makes these infomercials so memorable. Yeah, I remember like Don LaPrey, his uh, infomercials would generally air here like midnight or 1230 on uh, a, a late night on a Sunday. It was like in competition with like George Michael's sports machine. Yeah, this is stuff I remember. And then this one, like I said, it must have aired just like at all hours, specifically like in the afternoon, because that would have been like the only time my sister would have seen it. She was like 14 at the time. <laughs> and just, Asian linguine. I can smell it from here. Sometimes it's the people that make the, these infomercials memorable, not necessarily the hosts or the products themselves. Right, right. That one's for you, Robin. I hope you enjoy that. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know what? I think this is a good time take a little commercial break and there's only one way we can have a commercial break in this episode 
with a little infomercial. So enjoy this little. It's going to be a tiny infomercial. Tiny. Just a tiny ad. <laughs> Just a tiny ad. And then we're going to be back with more of the big ones. And this is an ad that we're not going to cover on this episode. So this is a little bonus of sorts. Enjoy. We'll be back in a few minutes. If you're wondering, would the cash flow generator way of making money with real estate work where I live? Let us ask you this. Do people in your area ever get divorced? Do they ever lose their job for whatever reason? Do people in your area ever get transferred on their job? Do they ever die? Do people in your area ever inherit a property they really don't want or know what to do with it? Or are there people in your area who are trying to do real estate the hard way, dealing with problem tenants, and they just want to get out? I had a couple contact me and they had been making over a thousand dollar a month house payments and they gave me their house and within two weeks I had that house sold and I'm going to make ten thousand dollars on that deal. We know these situations happen everywhere and if you answered yes to any of those questions when you attend our free 90 minute workshop we'll show you how you can make big money solving any of those problems and a whole lot more without putting your life savings at risk, your credit at risk, without having a real estate license, and with no previous real estate experience. Oh, and now we're back. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Wow. I want to buy five of those. Well, well, the problem, Chico, they were selling real estate seminars and whatnot. I withdraw my offer. No. <laughs> I did tell Chico ahead of time that I was going to put in a Greg and John Rice uh, real estate ad in there. <laughs> Greg so, and John Rice, I, I believe e either one of them or both of them are no longer with us. One of them, one one of them definitely passed away, like over fifteen years ago. The other one, uh, as far as I can tell, is still alive. But also, this is not going to be the only time we talk about them because next year on the schedule in early June, we're going to talk about the show they hosted that. Beepity, beepity uh, game show. Whatever the beepities are. You know, put in your own little swear word there. Or I, th I think people call it that darn game show, but we're going to talk about that. We're not worried about what's going to happen in June. We're worried about what's happening on this show. Chico, uh, your second uh, infomercial. I have the second infomercial, and it's not just... We talked about, you know, people who make the show. People who make the show you know, really, really interesting. I'm going to go back to Amazing Discoveries with Mike Levy in a second, but it's not going to be just Mike Levy. What if I told you that if you act right now, I will throw in a manic British person with an annoying voice like this? What would you say to that? Somehow you just made Amazing Discoveries better with the addition of a British person. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> Check this out. This is for something called the Magic Wand, which I'm going to be honest with you. It's an immersion blender. Okay. I was a little afraid there because I think my ex-girlfriend had a magic wand in her uh, night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> anyway, here's Mike Levy again, introducing his friend Ian called the magic wand and it doesn't just make low calorie desserts we're going to show you how now with the help of the magic wand you can make the freshest healthiest soups drinks mayonnaise desserts baby foods coffee spices and save a lot of money and a lot of time in the process and that's just the beginning 
So let's see how this truly magical wand works. Welcome our good friend from England, and in the kitchen, Ian Long. Hi, Mike. I'm fine, how are you? You look very cute surprise, like that. Surprise, I am surprised. Yeah. Michael, that is the magic wand. Okay. Would you believe me if I told you that one kitchen appliance will in fact replace over a thousand dollars worth that we've got? A thousand dollars worth? It's over a thousand dollars worth of, of uh, kitchen appliances there. Most of which you'll always find are actually too bulky, too much messing about. What are you doing here now? Two pieces of bread. You'll fresh notice bread. I'm using fresh bread. I'm also actually using, I'm also actually using a plastic bag. Right. What I'm going to do here, Michael, very, very simple, I'm actually going to make breadcrumbs. Now, can you see, all we do is just simply bounce the machine but it's in a plastic up and down. Bag. Yeah, well, the reason we're doing it in a plastic bag, Michael, we're trying to emphasise the fact that, in fact, you can use this appliance in any of your pots and pans that you have in your own home. In a matter of seconds... In a matter of seconds, we've actually got there, look, fresh breadcrumbs. So you could put seasonings in here and Seasoning, coat salt, things, shake them up. Drop things in, give That's them a good. shake. There yeah. you've got your breadcrumbs ready done. To wash the machine, Michael, the simplest thing in the world. Just turn on the tap. Allow me to help All you we here. do, look, turn on the tap and simply rinse it like that. The job's done. There's the washer. It's so simple, it's so easy. It's pretty good. I'm not going to do that anymore. I've actually here got a drop of water just to dunk it in. Oh, okay. Be quicker than turning round and, uh, and working over that side. Okay. Now, Michael, what I want to show you, believe it or not, something that maybe not a lot of people make because it's so difficult to make. I'm actually here going to make mayonnaise. You're going to make homemade I'm mayonnaise. Make homemade mayonnaise. I this remember this. Well, okay. You're going to see it. Watch. All we do is an egg. Now, bear in mind, the egg must actually be at room temperature. Oh, taking notes okay. here. Room temperature. Room temperature, egg. it is important. Spoiler Don't alert. get one straight out the fridge. Mayonnaise is so the egg into the jar. You'll notice as well, I'm actually oil. working straight into the jar. Approximately just less than a spoonful, a teaspoonful of mustard. Okay. A little bit of salt and pepper. Now, normally, of course, they use white pepper. Right. I want people to know you've made it yourself. I always use black pepper. Oh, it gives it that homemade that's look. That's right, that's right. Now, if you don't want to use salt, you can use a salt substitute. Or if you're really conscious with your diet, don't bother with salt at all. Oh, very okay? healthy. We need a little drop of lemon juice. Now, you know yourself, lemon juice is a preservative, but not only is it a preservative, it also gives it a little bit of a tang as well, okay? I use fresh lemon juice. You could use the stuff, the plastic stuff, if you wished. Another important aspect, look, vinegar. Now, I'm using tarragon vinegar. So you're going to actually flavour the mayonnaise? You can actually flavour the mayonnaise with any vinegar what you wish. What a good wish. idea. This is half the fun of working in a you're kitchen. You're really creative. Mike. Of course, that's the fun of work. Have you never done it? Go to the fridge. The only time I've got in there. The only time I'd ever think that you were going to be in the kitchen is to paint it. Well, no, 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 no. No, no, Mike, I have to relax as well, you know. This is how I relax, messing about. I'm just going to, you know, hurry things along a bit because he's going to make mayo and all it is really is it's just an egg and oil emulsion with some other bits for flavor and tang and whatnot so here's what you do you're going to go over here and you're going to go over to this part of the video where he's making the pitch he is selling not just the magic wand but all the little bits and boobly things that comes along with it 99.95 but watch this because you're about to find out Obvious, and it is obvious, Michael. Michael, are you listening? Gregory, are you listening? Yes, I'm listening. Okay, because we're about to show you an obvious edit is obvious. Check this out. Oh, also, we should say 
that a different blade was used because there's actually an aerating blade. That's how they make the mayonnaise. You don't just like scramble an egg. I mean, that's going to come a scrambled egg. It actually like adds air to it. And that's what makes it mayonnaise. There, there's a special blade involved. Right. How much? I got to have one of these. Oh, I've got to have one of these. The Magic One mic comes complete with its own stand. You can attach that to the wall. You can leave it freestanding if you wish. Oh, great. You've got little holders to hold the blades. The Venturi... What's the secret, Mike, of the Magic One? The Venturi ring That's is the it. secret. Okay. We keep that on there. Also, we've got one blade in the machine. Retail, 159.95. I'll tell you what we're going to do, Mike. Forget all the bargaining. Come on. We're going to knock us straight $60 off the price. 99.95. I was prepared, I was prepared, Mike. A menu book, a recipe book. Everything I've shown you, plus a lot Now, the lot desserts more. are in here, right? Now, listen, the desserts are in kind of like Can I tell you what the secret is in there? I'm actually going to show you how to turn water into cream. That'll come later. Come on. Oh, yes, we've heard it all before. There's the mug we used to make the soup. Michael, Great. not $10. I'm going to throw those in free of charge. You're on the right track. You're on the right track. Okay, all right, Mike. The dry grinding mill. Use that to make peanut butter, make your own, grind your own coffee down, beautiful fresh oh, nice. coffee. I'll show you all that in the next segment, okay? Mike, that is normally $30 worth. You've now got $200 worth, less than half price, $99.95. The company. Is that good? $200 worth for $99.95. You got a deal. Hold everything. Stop the show. Look, Ian, we've had such an overwhelming response to the magic wand. I know you can even give us a better deal. Mike, the more we sell, the cheaper we go. Good. I've got a deal for you now. $59.95 for one set, $99.95 for two. Now you've got a deal. Yeah. $59.95 and $99.95 for two. You've got a deal. Obvious that it is obvious. Well, that's very obvious, yes. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. That's terrible. And the thing of it is, I did the research. You know how much you can buy an emergent blender online? 40 bucks. Well, also, I mean, that was $59.99 in 1990 or 92 or 93, which would probably be somewhere in the range of like $120, $130 now. Well, I mean, that just sort of proves as technology gets better uh, and, and uh, production prices go down. You know, so is the price of the item. I mean, it's why computers have gone from, you know, remember how much they were 25 years ago, dollars $2,000. And now but, you can but, get one, you can get a Chromebook, which is many times faster for 150 bucks. Many times faster because it only has Chrome on it. But still, it's a computer. That's the basic foundation there. Absolutely true. But yeah, I, I sort of uh, see like the genesis of all the, the bulb head ads. Uh, oh, but if you uh, buy now, you know, we'll throw in another one uh, with free shipping or, or we'll give you a second one for a friend or whatnot. Don't get me started on the bulb head ads right now because I'm starting to think it's a bit of a scam because apparently every item that bulb head makes, even the new ones, they've stopped production because costs are going up and you better get it now. It's like... Stop that. that that's obvious. Well, it's obvious, but it's as bad as some of the furniture stores around here. Not even joking. They've had store closing sales going on for like five years. 
when's the store going to close? Literally right down the street. There's a store uh, that's been saying for five years, we're closing. Well, close the damn doors already. Hey, not everybody can be Mattress Mac and make $75 million on the Astros winning the World Series. Don't even get me started, Craig. Just, just don't. Just don't. I'm sorry that your tiny Alvarez home run, I don't think, still has landed yet. No, that's still in orbit. But also, now it makes me wonder uh, why I, we, we can't get Mattress Mac up here because... You know, I'd like to get a free purple mattress. Those are nice. I could use a purple mattress right about now, actually. Hold on, hold on a second. Look, Ma, no hands. That's in reference to the Conan commercial that would uh, air at 3 in the morning in Houston. Look, Ma, no hands. And we talked about that previously. Yeah, I think so in the uh, a mini-sode where Conan went to Houston. Right, yeah, because they were airing at like 2.35 in the morning, yeah. Something like that. Okay, but guys, we all know that hair loss is a serious problem for most men. Not for me. Oh. We have these shots of like these guys like, oh, I'm skiing, I'm flexing. Oh. This guy's like. This is almost like it. Hey, Greg, this is almost like any pharmaceutical ad nowadays. Yeah. You know, they're talking about, like, you know, fixing eczema or something like that. And then you see these people doing normal stuff. Look what my lack of eczema allows do me to do. I can drive in a convertible. Tell me about their hair loss, you but, but it's, it just Obviously, this was shot in Long Island. I understand. I'm trying to do something, but... It's fake. I mean, the hair is a dead giveaway. Wow. Myself, I'm 25 years old. My name is Tom. I, uh, Hi, Tom. I lost my hair. <laughs> what? I to show you this picture. <laughs> no! no! Sorry! No! Nope. Stop! 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 Hold on! Too many questions. Too many questions. Okay. I, I did not know Photoshop was available in 1990. <laughs> Th- that does not look like your normal male pattern baldness. Hold on. This reminds me, this picture right here. Remember when uh, Marshall and Lily got married on How I Met Your Mother? Yes. And Marshall, like, partly shaved. Marshall, in a fit of complete lunacy, shaves a stripe, a reverse mohawk, down the middle of his head. And he's like, yeah, I'll just shave it all off. I'll be like Michael Jordan or... Montel Waves or Britney's. Oh my god! What did you make me do? That pretty much describes how that hair looks. It's a reverse mohawk. That's how I would have described it. But again, that looks unnatural. That looks unnatural. And I mean, I I am not balding. I I have a good set of hair here. And and Greg's got a good set of hair. And Chico, he just took care of the the whole thing by himself. He he may not be naturally bald. 30 years. Well, well, again, again, you may not be naturally bald, but you are, are hair-free up there. Good look, by the way. I take good pride in my hair. I make it Jimmy Johnson style. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Jimmy Johnson style. And here's the thing. You know, he could have easily done the whole reverse mohawk thing, and they could have just at that in post 
I can't look at this guy's stupid face with that haircut. The, the face doesn't even match the rest of his head. The face doesn't match the rest of his head. Also, taking a look at that image now, it doesn't even look like it's centered properly. It looks like he's got more head on, uh, hair on the left side of his head. Right, too let's... many questions. I, I said I have too many questions. This <laughs> yeah, don't be look on his face. I can't look at that. No, no. Well, how do you feel about that? I mean, if you wouldn't, if you just like tonight, you or just like today, I... y'all date him no. like that, like this? Would you date him? <laughs> he doesn't have a problem with her hair. It's like before and after. We don't want to deal with that. Would you ever know? There you go. Would you? Would I know? If I met you out in a nightclub or park? No, your hair like. Uh -huh. No, you I'm like it now? Grab the hell of your hair. Yeah. I just sure didn't know. It does. It looks. How do you feel about it? Cool. It looks better now. Yeah. Oh, thanks a it's, lot. Yeah, it looks nice. All right. Is that really yeah. Hair? Remember, touch the hair really? because the hair is product. Yeah, jelly. Yeah, I like Great. spiking it up. Can you tell by looking at me that um, I have no hair? That you have no hair? Yeah. Well, it's hair, but it's, well, it's not hair. mine. It's not yours. Not my hair. Let me see. Turn around. That's no, pretty good. Does it look good? Really, that's, yeah. that's, that's fake hair. That's fake hair. Well, it's actually human hair. Friends that lose their hair, it kind of bothers them a little bit. Yeah. Now, wait a second. Hold yeah, on. Hold on. That's supposed to be the after picture? I guess. The picture they had in the lower left corner? Yeah, I guess. Those two people don't even look alike. The, the eyebrows are completely different. I, what the hell are they trying to pitch here? <laughs> This might be the fakest of all. <laughs> Man, the guys in the classroom with the uh, alphabetics or more uh, con convincing. Hairfax, a division of Pierre Amelette International. Bodybuilding when I was young. Jeff, age 27. 13 years old, maybe, maybe 14, 15. I never really had a confidence problem. I used to be maybe a little bit shy and a little bit introverted. As I went through college, I started bodybuilding, seriously bodybuilding, and my confidence grew as I matured. It wasn't until I turned about 22 where I started noticing a slight hair loss. At that time, I was heavily into the bodybuilding. <laughs> I love how if you watch, pause it at 249. He's like holding like his ear. It's like ah, oh! my he, hair. He's like Dracula. He's like Dracula in sunlight. Huh? I can't look at this camera. I was bodybuilding on a national circuit, and I started not liking the way my hair looked when I styled it, when I took pictures, photographs, when I did some layouts or commercials. And after a while, I thought it was time to really start looking at some ways to prevent hair loss. And it really wasn't a noticeable hair loss. It was just something that I felt uncomfortable yeah, about. Yeah, flex! Most people thought I was out of my mind. Remember, this is the moment where wrestling is coming into its like uh, silver age and American Gladiators is not that far behind. Start coming out in the comb. Not, not very much, but enough that I felt it was time to do something about it. By the way, the uh, Pierre Amelot group it made me look still in business three, four, today. Oh! Yeah, I was just going to mention that. In, in Montreal. Um, in business, in bodybuilding, it's important to project the positive. Yeah, let's forget the this. Sport. We got some 
guy bicycling and all that stuff. Oh, let's just. On Fridays we flex. Yeah. Oh wait, hold on. Oh, oh my gosh, there's actually a location for this uh, Pierre Amala International in Cleveland. Oh. In Cleveland. Hold on. I need to find where in Cleveland this is at. Okay. But Mike, you have a very full head of hair. That's called research, and I have bald friends. I'll admit it. But I want to know where this is in Cleveland. This is this is great. Hold on oh, a second. Oh. <laughs> Look at this. Oh, Sweet mullet. What the heck? <laughs> okay, so the after, he looks like he's about to audition for the new monkeys. The before, he looks like he's just got held up for for kidnapping Johnny Olsen. We're right after he won a boy George lookalike contest. You may want to listen to the before the show for that uh, reference too. Oh my gosh! Okay, so actually taking a look here, uh, the Pierre Amelot International looks like they go by a little bit more better known name. I've definitely heard of it because again, there's a, a clinic in this area, Vanskoy Hair Clinic. So if you've heard of the Vanskoy Hair Clinic. That is this company. Again, I have heard of them because they do ads around here. I don't get any of those ads. Well, it looks like it's primarily an Ohio thing. Uh, Ashland, Ohio, which is about uh, 90 minutes uh, south of Cleveland and Cleveland and Columbus. But uh, there's franchises in Chicago, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Washington, Nashville, might be different names though. Like for example, in Nashville, uh, they're just called uh, PAI Medical Group Nashville, uh, and they actually have the website wegrowhair.com. So okay, apparently there's different names depending where you're at. So at least in Ohio, the Vanskoy Hair Clinic is part of this uh, Pierre Emilot International Group. All right. Let's hear this testimonial from this guy named Greg. Father went bald when he was about 17, 18 years old. And I always made fun of my father, too. It's, it's quite ironic that it should happen to me the same way. Um, he never did anything about it, so I didn't know if there was anything I could do about it. I started accepting it at an awful young age. And when you're quite young, you, you want to look good, you want to feel good about yourself. Oh, by the way, he's wearing and a Rams jersey, too. With a very bad dis disposition. I was always down about myself. Nothing really mattered, and that's telling you the truth. And Wait, you mean the Rams that lost Super Bowl 14? And you are going bald. You know what I'm feeling. You know how I feel when you when you lose. Never mind his hair. Somebody get this man in an hour. People, you know who you are. When you're sitting in front of your TV late night watching the commercials, and you don't do anything about it, uh, it's kind of silly because you can do something about it. Yeah. There's a solution to everything. I really recommend people that are sitting down on your couch. I really recommend. Okay, there's why he needs the inhaler. He was just running a, a wide receiver route. Yeah. And, uh, it's not going to cost you anything. Uh, everything's uh, confidential. You have a first free consultation if you choose to go, which it'd be silly not to go because you'd really help yourself. You'd help the way you feel. You'd help your, your friends around you to feel more easy when they're with you instead of just uh, living with it. You can do something about it. 
and I really recommend not just young people. If there's anybody out there that, that are even in their 50s, there's a plenty, plenty of things you can do, and it really helps out your appearance. When I okay, I was just one quick hair. observation. You know who that guy looks like? It looks like some character that you would see like Mac or Charlie doing on It's Always Sunny with like the really goofy mullet going all the way down the back of his neck and just that sort of look. That looks like seriously something that I could see like like uh, Mac pulling off. With that mullet and that jersey and that mustache that it's obviously the, has the, the, the whole yes. the whole thing the whole the whole, the whole package here the whole package yes. Well, remember that would be the type of thing Mac would do because remember there was that one season where Mac got fat. Remember that? Oh yeah. yes, 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 yes. <sighs> because they all wanted to have like their own avatars, like the movie Avatar. And then Mac was the only one who committed to the bit. Mac is always the only one who commits to the bit. All right. Enough of that. All right, Mike, All right. What's, what's your last one? All right, my last one. Back around 1993, there was an infomercial for a beauty product. And believe it or not, the main person on the infomercial was Cher. Do you remember this? I think so. Yes, I do remember this. Okay, because this aired... I remember, Again, it was like a late night thing, I remember. But the thing is, this aired all the time. I don't know if it was because Cher was the, the focal point in this uh, infomercial, but this aired all the time. And really... The main reason I mention this isn't necessarily the ad itself or or share being in the infomercial. It's that Saturday Night Live actually spoofed it, and they had as share Christina Applegate, but also as like uh, one of the co-hosts, Chris Farley. So you know something's gonna happen. So I'm not going to play the infomercial itself. I think actually a better representation of this infomercial is the Saturday Night Live clip. So let me pull that up. Hold on a second. And let me share. Haha. <laughs> let me share. Hello, I'm Cher, and welcome to Focus on Beauty 2. Now, if you watch Focus on Beauty 1, you remember that you were introduced to a line of hair care products that had been previously been available only to the stars. And now they're available to you, which doesn't make them any less better. <laughs> so stick around because your hair is not going to believe what it's about to see. Share presents Focus on Beauty. Christina Applegate doesn't do a bad share. Now, no, everybody she remembers my curly-haired friend Paulette, whose hair is long and straight and beautiful now. <laughs> and my sister Georgianne, who has beautiful straight blonde hair and my old nose. <laughs> and, of course, the famous, the wonderful, I could not live without her, Lori Davis. <laughs> Thank you, Cher. 
And today this I'm probably just actually so does excited really good drag. because I want to talk about the exciting new products I added to the package we put together on Focus on Beauty One. That was a very exciting package, wasn't it? Oh, it was really exciting. Amazing. And you know what else excited me about Focus on Beauty One? The exciting letters I got from women who use my products. Just a few. Dear Lori, I'm so excited about the way my hair looks after using your products. Here's another. <laughs> Dear Lori, I have never used such an exciting hair care system. And finally, Dear Lori, I've been using your hair care products for a year and I'm still excited. <laughs> and they go on and on and on. And I'm all, they're all excited. That's what they are. I don't want to talk about that right now because I'm excited about this. Oh! It's called Exciting Hold, and it's just exciting. Now, do you use hairspray? No. Oh, never. Hate it. I use it, but I hate it. Well, try this. This is so amazing. It's, it's so dry. Did you spray this on me? Because it doesn't feel like you did. I, mean, I saw you do it, so you must have. I did. Feel this. It's dry. It doesn't stick. It's not sticky at all. It's smooth. There's no stickiness. Lori, this is the complete opposite of sticky. Now, tell us what you've done here. This is the most amazing hairspray ever. I call it my minute miracle. And you know what the secret is? There's no alcohol in it. You know that dry, hard-feeling hairspray gives you? You mean that dry, crunchy, brittle, stiff... Um, yes, sticky, you know. potato, chippy sort of... It's, it's dead, crisp, flaky. Right. Sticky. Yes. That's because most hairsprays go on wet and they put alcohol in to dry it. Hairspray always dries my hair. Is that the alcohol? Yes. So alcohol has a drying effect. Yes. Yeah, that's sort of the, the vibe I got from that infomercial. And again... I really didn't even watch it back in the day, but it just constantly showed up, whether it's because of Cher's uh, appearance in the infomercial or the product's actually halfway decent. I don't know. I, I don't use expensive hair products. But yeah, I think if you get to a uh, infomercial which gets spoofed on SNL, yeah, you, you sort of hit the big time. And the thing is, I don't think this is even going to be the first infomercial in this episode that was spoofed by a big TV show. We'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, Chico, you're up with your last one. Okay, so my last one, it is, as the show is called, a worldwide health and beauty discovery. Our hostess, and this is part and parcel with this sort of thing, our hostess has gone to Australia, which means a whole lot of B-roll that has to do with Australia, 
a lot of cute koalas, a lot of sunny beaches, and of course, a lot of Australian people. One of which created a worldwide health and beauty discovery with a very unfortunate name. And it's not really her fault because she named it after her daughter. How bad could it be if it's named after her daughter? Don't, 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 don't tell us. Play the infomercial so we can judge for ourselves. Traveler, deep sea diver, amateur diva, and koala cuddler Denise Cruz. Oh, jeez! Show. I'm so excited to have you join me off the northern coast of Australia. I'm on one of the breathtaking Whitsunday Islands, rising from the shoulders of the Great Barrier Reef, one of the seven wonders of the world. Here, amongst the earthy splendor of Australia, I found one of the world's great beauty secrets. It all begins with a heartwarming story of a mother's love for her daughter. When I noticed the um, sadness in her eyes because of the the unwanted hair problem i had to do something about it because it wasn't just a physical problem it was an emotional problem as well it was standing in a way of her self-confidence she had low self-esteem and i wasn't going to let that happen to my baby she was very motivated yeah she was i went out and i purchased all the products that were out there, tried them all, and failed. That was her life, so it just was very painful for me, basically, because I had young and my skin was very sensitive. I was fed up, and, and yet I had to do something about this problem. She was young, and my mum tried everything. Um, you know, depilatories, they gave her irritation. Shaving just wasn't suitable for her. She used to try waxing. It used to irritate her skin. She used to bleach. It used to make it worse. So my mum decided to become a mad scientist and develop something. I started mixing, adding, deleting all the natural ingredients that I had in the cupboard. The kitchen was a mess full of every kind of ingredient, you know? And we just, oh, we would just ignore it until finally the product just popped out. <laughs> She ended up with NADS, an all-natural, heat-free, water-soluble product that looks like green toffee and can be used anywhere on the body. I was just thrilled about it, so that's how NADS actually began. <laughs> I just wanted to tell the whole world about what I have created. I used to take some... Pause, pause, pause! She wanted to tell the whole world about NADS! <laughs> this, in retrospect, is about as bad of a name as AIDS laxative back in the 80s and the, 70s. The diet yeah. pill? Or the, the diet, diet pill. pill. I thought it was a laxative, but it may have been a little bit of both. But yeah, that didn't age well. And well, NADS didn't age very well either. It's a pretty brilliant product. It just has a very unfortunate name. Well, I remember that back in the day, and uh, the infomercial, it definitely was not that infomercial. I don't remember that from that infomercial. But what they would do is they'd take a little bit of that, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. This won't backfire in any way possible. They'll take a little bit of the nads, and they'll put it like right between, uh, right in this little area between their uh, eyebrows, uh, 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 right above their nose, between their eyes, and they'd like yank it off. Ah, Kelly Clarkson! More well, but supposedly it's supposed to hurt less, but I don't know about that. 
But but I remember that that takeaway from the ad. This is probably from like 93, 94-ish that I'm talking about. And this may have been even earlier than that. It, it doesn't give us a date just in the 90s, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like the original ad in like 91 or 92. But yeah, it, it you put like a little ball of it, just roll a little ball in your hand and then just push it down. And then it's it's sort of like, as Chico said, sort of like Kelly Clarkson, if you remember that from uh, the 40-year-old version, uh, just without the, 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 the paper. You just sort of pop it off, supposedly. Yeah. And this made her millions. Well, you know, a number of people in uh, the world have made millions of dollars off their nads. Yep. Well, Greg... You got take one us more. home. Come on. Take us home. All right. Well, I've saved the best for last. We're going to be talking about a man who wants to show you his secrets of making money. And it's a man by the name of Tom Vu. So let's hear what he has to say about how you can become very rich like him. But without tiny classified ads? Yeah. He's sharing his life story. And after we got out of this refugee camp, we got to do many odd jobs to support the family, like washing dishes, busboy, mowing lawn, and so forth. Thank God that I found a unique system to make millions in real estate starting from nothing. As a result, we became financially independent. And several years ago, I decided to share wealth building knowledge with our more like C-roll. Let's explain this setting right here. It's a yacht, and there are women on it, and they're all wearing bathing suits. They're all and wearing- Tom Boo is also on the yacht, and he's yes. wearing a tracksuit. He's wearing a tracksuit. But I just want to say, what is he doing with these women? Greg, I don't want to spoil it. But the best way I can phrase this is Twyla Littleton had the 30s and the 36s. They're eye candy, Greg. What oh. do you think he's going to do with them? You think he's going to play pinochle with them? Seriously, what is, what is he going to do with them? He's a millionaire, and he's got these trophy women hanging all over him. I, don't I guess know. they thought this was going to be a launching pad to a legitimate career. I don't know. Maybe he's going to have sex with all of them. I don't know. Tiny, tiny classified ads. <laughs> hey, like that may be, the, hey, seriously, that may be why he's got these women, because he's got a tiny classified ad, but he's worth millions. I see what you did there. Remember, step one. Tiny classified ads. No, it's not tiny. It's Tiny classified ads. Step one. Tiny classified ads. Step two. Step three. Profit. Let's continue. This wealth building knowledge with other people across the country. Many people took my seminar, become very wealthy. Many of my students about to get on TV to tell you how my system has changed their life. If you want to become financially independent, come to my seminar. Let me show you how to make the fortune you have always dreamed about. Andrew Carnegie says 90% of America's millionaires... Shot of this hottie. 
If you have a desire in a, a bikini, it's not important why the Tom Boo real estate seminar is and never hottie. You do have two choice right now, my friend. Number one, and here's Tom in front of a car. Stay home, do what most people do. And five years later, you'll be lucky if you have a job. Or number two, you can come to my seminar, learn the secret of how other people are making millions. So someday you can become financially independent yourself. This is the Vu family when they first arrived in the United States yes, we know. Institute with nothing. Tom Vu and his ten brothers and sisters had to live in a tent. Yes. Now the Vu family has become financially independent thanks to the Tom Vu we know. making system. Mr. Vu says to make a fortune in America, you must learn from success. He's coming off a helicopter. Apply proven techniques and then become financially free. Oh. I'm excited. Are you ready? Come to my seminar. Let me show you the secret to be rich. That is a small helicopter. Yeah. Don't sell yourself short. When you tell people that they can find a job making $25,000 a year. This woman's not even bothering to look at the camera. Wait, 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 wait. Pause, 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 pause. I think they are playing Pinochle, actually. No, I was going to say, it looks like they're playing Yahtzee. She's got a dice roller. The girl in the green and black striped bikini. Right above Tom Vu's uh, left shoulder. She's rolling dice. They're playing Yahtzee. They're playing backgammon on this boat. Or, you know, they're playing click-clack on that boat. You know. This girl with the glasses. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking she's about. She's owning that scene. Oh, she's owning this scene. Unlike this girl. This girl on the left. She's not even bothering to look at the camera. She's just shows shame to be in this. She won't even put this on her reel, probably. But okay, we have somebody who's going to give a testimonial for why this program, this Tom Vu program, is amazing. Here we go. And a big thinker. Which one are you? My friends, I know lots of you out there are skeptical. In my hand, framed... Is a check for $203,029.32. I net in one transaction, one deal. Okay, he has the check for over $200,000 framed. Why didn't you just cash it? Why didn't he just go with the bank and cash it? Why was your first reaction? I got this check for $200,000. I'm going to put it in a frame. I got an Mike? answer. Well, okay. I got an answer. And this is a good answer if you think about it. Remember Alex Trebek had the framed bounce check from Pitfall on his office wall? Yes. Oh. Chico knows where I'm going with this. Yes. That is a check. It is not worth the paper it's written on. Tom Vu's a fraud. He could be. I mean, they could have hired five actresses and Rented a, a Rolls Royce for the day. Who knows? Heard he's a poker player now, actually. That's right. He is a poker player now. What? Tom Vu's a poker player? Yes. Okay. I need to look into this. That's amazing. Tom Vu poker. Hold on. Oh, my gosh. World Series of Poker. Ten uh, money finishes. Highest uh, uh, in the money main event finished 22nd in 2005. Well, 
information accurate as of July 14th, 2014. So he may have done more in the poker world in the last eight years. Just hasn't been updated on Wikipedia. I did not know that. And oh, April 2006, he finished ninth in season five's World Poker Tour Championship event. So I'm sure that airs somewhere on the World Poker Tour channel on uh, on Pluto TV. I did not know that. I just wonder if when he goes to one of these events in the World Poker Tour or World Series of Poker, does he have like an entourage of five or six women in bikinis walking around, shooting dice and staring uh, into the uh, sunset uh, wearing uh, uh, aviator glasses? Who knows? Probably. No, I like Chico's answer better. Probably, yeah. All right. Tom Vu's living his best life. I net in one transaction, one deal. This is a net check. Lots of people keep telling their families that when I get rich, I shall take care of you. But there are two kinds of people in the world, doers and talkers. Which one are you? Have you ever dreamed that someday you will make a lot of money to help your loved ones? Here is your chance. Don't miss the boat. Most people don't have self-esteem. They don't <laughs> terrible cut. Obvious. Oh, these are, ads are terrible. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. You only live once. Don't let your dreams slip away. Hi, my name is Art Stanowski. I attended Tampu seminar, and on my first transaction, I made twenty-five thousand one hundred ninety dollars. There's nobody holding you back from making millions. It's so easy to make money in real estate. And I'm planning to be a millionaire by age 25. <laughs> and then he's going to invest it all in the dot-com bubble before it bursts. And nowadays he's invested everything in crypto. What did? He was also I a partial purchaser of Twitter. In the future, I will be remembered as a man who has taught more millionaires in this world than any man who ever lived. This goal makes me excited. Just like you, I was tired from living from paycheck to paycheck. There's no one stop you from going to my seminar. Tom Wu showed me the way to financial freedom. Think about that for a second. Obviously, said it is if obvious. you have any guts at all to attend this free 90-minute seminar. How in the world do you expect to make any money? Okay, you've seen my student come from all walk of life, get on TV and tell you how simple it is to make a lot of money with my system. Oh, it doesn't matter where you are, what your occupation is. I don't care if you are housewife, school teacher, engineer. You've seen them get on TV tell you that they made money. Think about this. Can you make a lot of money with your current occupation to afford yourself a luxury lifestyle like mine? No, well, dummy! My, can. my <laughs> system can show you how to do that. And I know some of you still thinking, well, maybe there's a catch somewhere. Well, I used to think that there's no catch. But until one of my very successful students and very old wise students come and tell me one day, he said, well, Tom, if anybody ever asks you what is a catch with your system, tell them there's an old American saying. It's called... Get off your butt and do it. You ready to become wealthy? Come to my seminar. Make that first step. Let me show you how. I love how condescending he is to the viewers. Yeah, like he just absolutely does not give a crap. Well, we heard that in the uh, end of the previous episode, previewing this one. Yeah, if you don't come to my... (laughs) 
my seminar, you deserve to be broke. Yeah. Now, it's not for a bit of an education thing. He says he has a 90-minute seminar. I'm going to explain with uh, help from notes I cribbed from Oddity Archives' Ben Minot, obviously, how this whole thing worked. Okay, let's say you have a distressed property. You have a price for that distressed property. I buy that distressed property for less than asking price. And then I build it into the contract Two important things. One, I schedule the closing far off in advance. And two, I can walk away from the deal at any time. In between the time I drop the contract and the time that the contract closes, I flip the distressed property to somebody else for asking price. I pay the original seller my reduced price, and I pocket the difference. Not at all illegal, but really, really shady. Very. And I remember probably about 12, 13 years ago at this point, when the foreclosure business, when uh, the housing crisis happened around 2008, 2009, there were a lot of people uh, doing flipping like that. Uh, I don't know if they necessarily put in the contracts the stuff that you said, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's basically just a, a lot of flipping. It's like, hey, find a sucker to buy this property. I, I've got this property that I paid pennies for. I'm not going to move into it. Let's give it to, uh, to let's sell it to a sucker who has plans to move into it or has plans to renovate it, refurbish it, and then obviously flip it. Okay. But now we get into the big thing <laughs> because Tom Vu was so everywhere on television that he was made famous in this epic parody by Steve Pork on In Living Color. So let's just watch this together, shall we? America's wealthiest people have made their fortunes in real estate. Now one man can give you the safe, simple, sure way to financial freedom. Do you recognize this man? If you don't, you're not watching enough television. He's Tommy Wu. Hey, idiot! Rotting in your own filth! What do you think of this excellent lifestyle I am living? It all belongs to me, because I am just so damn rich. When I come to this country, I was boat person. Now I person who owns boat. You like diamonds? You like pearl? You like hot tub? Then come to my seminar, you piece of animal dropping! And learn to be so damn rich like me. And after all that, you were just so damn rich. Uh, Mr. Pug, excuse me. No, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I just don't completely understand. Here, all you need to understand. You're just an insignificant hair on toilet on life. But I know how you feel. I was a brain dead loser like you. Bikini <laughs> girls are at the seminar. This is great. And he left me, Tommy Wu, $10 million. Why can't you do that? What's stopping you from being rich? I took the Tommy Wu seminar, and two days later, I lost my entire family in a horrible car accident. But 
I made seven million dollars. Thank you, Tommy Wu. Thank you, genius. Move, shut up, and lay there. You are nothing but a love pillow for Tommy Wu. And you, you so fat and lazy, you stink like roadkill. If I saw you crossing a road, I would swear to kill you. Take a shower, change your clothes, and come to my seminar. Learn the secret of Tommy Wu. Don't be stupid. Take the Tommy Wu seminar this Saturday at the parking lot behind Bob's House of Value. You'll learn how to be just so damn rich. Just so damn rich. But guys, what did all these infomercials we watched tonight have in common? They were darn good time fillers back in the 90s. They're better than any infomercial we have nowadays. And I mentioned, uh, I think I've mentioned that uh, I'm on UVerse. UVerse literally, not even joking, has like probably between 12 and 15 different infomercial channels. All they show is infomercials. And I've blocked them on my system because I don't want to see that stuff because it's just repetitive and 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 I don't want to succumb to temptation of spending money that they don't necessarily deserve. But no, these are this is quality stuff from again thirty plus years ago. So yeah, th- this was entertaining, especially for like I said, me, uh, us, our, our families. We talked about Greg's brother and my sister. Back when we were teenagers. This is hilarious. But what else do they have in common, Greg? They were all things on TV. They were. Row! And if you call now and promise to tell a friend about it, get us some word of mouth advertising, you will receive at no additional cost this bottle of Mio. But if you call now, it's not going to cost you four payments of $49.99. We're going to knock off a payment. It's three payments of $49.99. And if you tell a friend, I'll throw in this jeweler's loop. Don't question me why I have a jeweler's loop. I'm not questioning you. Okay. ABC Daytime's putting on the blitz. Premiering Monday. Put on the blitz! Episode 324, submission number 029, Hollywood Squares Derivatives. Derivative. Thank you. In the mid-1960s, Merrill Heater and Bob Quigley took an already existing format by, I believe it was Nick Nicholson and Roger Moore. Not the guy who played James Bond, Roger Moore. No, I never not Roger that Moore. one. That's that's M-O-R-R-E. I'm talking about M-U-I-R. It was basically a bluffing game involving celebrities. They took that idea and basically put the celebrities on top of each other. Good night, everybody. <laughs> no. they put. It was basically three stacks of three in a game, a larger-than-life game, of knots and crosses. It was the Hollywood Squares. And it made for some really, really good game show television for the last 56 years? 56 yeah. years. Hold on a second. 
knots and crosses. Is that how you people in North Carolina say tic-tac-toe? Sorry, I was still in my little British loop from the last episode. Yeah, 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 ju- yeah. Give me that shameful head shake, Greg. Just, yeah, just give me that. But of course, we know it as it's many incarnations, of course, of the Hollywood squares, but also hip hop squares and Nashville squares. But also, let's not seldom forget that local version out in Springfield called the Springfield Squares. Live from Shelbyville, it's the Springfield Squares, featuring our new center square, Homer Perfect Game Simpson. Hey, I run. There's a stairway, dumbass. <laughs> okay, we'll start with our returning champion, Disco Stew. Disco Stew's gonna groove up some dough playing tic-tac-toe. Uh, Stu, we like to downplay the resemblance to tic-tac-toe. I can dig it. <laughs> So obviously, success breeds imitation. I mean, that's as old as television itself. But what happens when a producer clones his own idea? Kind of, sort of? Well, you get the shows that we're going to talk about on this episode. I think we should start with the first one which is an entry that aired on the NBC television network back when it was still trying to find itself after Fred Silverman ran it into the ground. But we didn't have nine stars. We only had six. And there weren't squares. There were triangles. I am talking, of course, about battle stars. Battle Stars aired on NBC in two different versions from October 26, 1981 to April 23, 1982, and again from April 4, 1983 to July 1, 1983, as the new Battle Stars. Todd Bridges, Nancy McKeon, Richard Simmons. Nell Carter and Richard Gill. Those are the battle stars. And here's the man in command, Alex Trevay. Yep, that's right. Right after High Rollers and slightly before Jeopardy, Alex Trebek was hosting this show. The show involves two contestants, one a returning champion in the blue podium and the challenger in the red. The object of the game is to capture three battle stars. How do you capture a battle star? Well, the battle stars are six celebrities sat in a three by two grid on the other side of the stage. The contestant in control, and this is the original version, they pushed a plunger on their podium to stop a flashing randomizer, and the number it stopped on determined which celebrity would be asked a question. The questions on Battle Stars are asked in the style of Hollywood Squares, but except for having an open answer, there were multiple choice. They had to choose one answer 
and it was up to the contestant to determine whether that answer was true or false. The correct answer means that the contestant kept control, but if they were wrong, control passed to their opponent. Regardless of how the contestant in control answered, the point of light was lit and then taken out of play. But if a miss would result in a capture of a celebrity to an opponent by default, the point would remain in play. It's sort of the same rule that they had in Hollywood Squares where you could not win a square on a steal if it meant that you win the game. Have I confused you yet? No? Okay. So, let's do a little bit of theater of the mind here. Imagine a 3 by 4 by 3 arrangement of circles. And then let's put some numbers on those circles. 1, 2, 3 on the top, 4, 5, 6, 7 in the middle, and 8, 9, and 10 on the bottom. If you land on a number on the top or the bottom, either 1, 2, 3, or 8, 9, 10, you have to play with the celebrity attached to that number. But if you land on a center row number, since they were attached to two or more triangles, you can choose which celebrity to play with. Although, in the cases of a capture, your choices could be limited. The first contestant to capture three stars won the game, $500, and the right to play for more in the bonus round. However, if you were to be so lucky as to capture all six stars, you won $1,000 and a bonus prize. This would be on the all-new Battle Stars. Now, the bonus round in the first Battle Stars is called Battle Stars 2. A celebrity base was completely hidden under 16 numbered blocks, and the winning player gets to choose three cards, which Alex would put in a scanner on a podium. After those bricks were removed, the contestant picked one more square that would help them the most. That choice on some of the episodes would be made prior to drawing the three cards, and if a card drawn matched the number of the square the contestant already chose to reveal, that person would draw another card. The contestant would have one and only one chance to identify the celebrity. If they were to do so, they would win $5,000. However, if they gave a wrong answer or didn't have a clue, the contestant drew up to three additional cards and could solicit help from the celebrities by having them identify the star instead. For the first card, the value drops to 3000 then 2000 then 1000 for the third and final card. If the contestant fails to identify the base after these four attempts, the contestant chooses one more space to reveal and played for $500. Failure to win the $500 allows the player to choose one last space and play for $250. So, after all those times, you didn't know who was behind those puzzles, you lose, well, you don't lose anything, you just don't win anything. But no matter what you do get to come back and play another game. 
as you can see, this show was about as clear as mud. And if you thought it was confusing before, just wait until we get to the new Battle Stars. In the new Battle Stars, instead of lighting up the board, the object was to extinguish the points of light. And this was basically just a refurbish of the old rules. Instead of putting lights on the board, you're taking them off. The randomizer was only used when control passed between contestants. Upon getting a correct answer, a contestant in control can choose a number verbally. And finally, not only do the stars saw the display of the two answers, but the home and studio audience saw them too. This had absolutely no bearing on the rules. This was just a cosmetic change. However, the players in the studio did not see them and could not see them for either version of the Battle Stars. And the player who captures three Battle Stars wins the game $500 and a chance for more in, depending on what episode it is, the main event or the Battle Stars Bonanza. Now, this involved the winning contestant and the three Battle Stars that they captured. They play a three-question bonus round. Each multiple-choice question had three possible answers, which were now displayed to everyone. After the celebrity in play offered their choice, the contestant was asked whether or not that choice was true. If the contestant was correct in disagreeing, they had to choose from the correct answer from the two remaining choices to win any cash. The first two questions are worth $500. All three are worth the Battlestars Bonanza, which started at $5,000 and a prize package with another prize added every time it was not won. And that's pretty much how the game worked. And much like the match game Hollywood Squares Hour that would debut in 1983, some of the humor was taken out when they reduced the options available to just either or. I mean, there was no way to bluff an answer when you're given the answers. You're going to have to find a way to be funny. And I guess that's pretty much where this show fell flat, in which everybody was just finding a way to be funny with this format. Thoughts? They tried. Um, actually, if you go on YouTube, there actually is sort of a, I don't want to say dissertation, but, but there's a video that's probably close to half an hour long just about battle stars and about what went wrong and what also went right. One of the things that was clearly wrong is they made the questions essentially multiple choice because the celebrities were given uh, two answers on a monitor. And so there really wasn't much of a bluffing factor uh, as there was in Hollywood squares, but also at the same time, this was like one of the first appearances, not the first, because I think his first appearance would have been, uh, I believe on Benson, maybe uh, yes. a year earlier. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld's, not necessarily first national exposure, but one of his first bits of national exposure was on the original Battle Stars. Yes. 
And you can see in his routine, uh, in his answers, sort of his uh, the the Seinfeldisms, if you will, that would uh, be well known 10, 15 years later. You can sort of see the growth of a potential superstar in this. Yeah, the genesis, if you will. Yeah. But of course, we had many various celebrities that had made their way around the circuit over the years on this show. I know Fanny Flagg appeared on this show. Um, who else appeared on this show? Oh, Rip Taylor was on. Oh, for Rip sure. Taylor, definitely. I remember him was on this show. Vicky Lawrence. Vicky Lawrence. There was a memorable exchange on the first episode of the new Battle Stars between Jim J. Bullock and uh, Debbie Reynolds. Press the button, see what you come up with. Hey, it's a good one. Number nine, you could capture Jimmy Bullock. JM, how are you doing? I'm lonely. I, uh, you know, <laughs> anything we can do about it? Well, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, Debbie will pass by. Oh, come on, honey. Oh, oh! gentlemen we were on the air for six months we shouldn't make it past next friday at this rate oh yeah very funny if you've never seen that but also i mean you had uh, your younger stars or your uh your sitcom regulars if you will you had like this glenn scarpelli's and those types i mean the one thing that was missing and really i think what made hollywood squares work you didn't have George Goble. You didn't have, you couldn't have had Paul Lynn because he would have probably been uh, close to death, if not deceased at that point. Definitely for the new Battle Stars because that was 83. But yeah, you, you never had him make an appearance in 81 on the original Battle Stars. I don't think Rosemary was on this, was she? Pretty sure she wasn't. And uh, I'm sure Tom Poston may have made an appearance. Oh, yes, he did. He did. In fact, hold on a second, because I have it queued up. I have Alex Trebek's interview from the Archive of American Television where he talks about battle stars, and there is a mention of Tom Poston in this clip. So let me share it. Uh, Then came a celebrity panel show called Battle Stars. And can you share with us any memories of the celebrities that you worked with and how that show was? Uh, Battle Stars I always referred to as uh, son of Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares had nine celebrities. Battle Stars had six. Hollywood Squares had squares. Battle Stars had triangles. And uh, the, the person, the performer who came out of Battle Stars and enjoyed the greatest success later on was Jerry Seinfeld. But there were others who, uh, you know, we had the same quality of people that they used to have on Hollywood Squares. And Tom Poston was on the show once as uh, one of the panelists. And I was interviewing a young lady who had come from out of town, maybe Chicago or whatever. And I said, 
why did you come to California? And she said, I came to find a husband. And Tom Poston, without missing a beat, said, whose husband did you come to find? Brought down the house. Great, great funny man. <laughs> I can just picture Tom saying that. <laughs> that that's was, great. That was money in the bank, my friends. That was beautiful. Uh, but also, I mean, at that time, talking about uh, well, both uh, the new Battle Stars and the original version, Newhart would have started about that time. That would have been. Like 82-ish. 82, 83 so, was Newhart's first season, yeah. Okay, so that, that would overlap with the, the new Battle Stars. then. I don't know if he was on that. I don't know if uh, NBC really wanted to promote a, a CBS show, but also at the same time, as anybody who listens to this podcast knows, Tom Poston was on Match Game Hollywood Squares in late 83, so maybe there wasn't any sort of rivalry between the two networks. Okay, you need to be on a CBS show only, Tom. Don't be going to NBC or if ABC had shows back then, don't go to ABC. Yeah, I'm imagining that Mark Goodson and Merrill Heater, they just had a Rolodex of people who they could call on a moment's notice and they just pull stuff like, oh, Tom Poston, is he available? Yeah, let's get him on. Oh, Charles Nelson Riley? Yeah, let's definitely get him on. And then you have like people who were on NBC at the time, because I have the IMDb page. I have Nell Carter, Todd Bridges, Eric Estrada, Nancy McKeon, and Betty White, among others. Now, Betty White was not on anything on NBC at the time. Wait, wrong. She would be. No. Yeah, but, but no, no, wait, are, wait. Are you talking new Battle Stars or, or uh, original version? It's like the original version, but then she did Just Men, and the new Battle Stars replaced Just Men, if I'm not mistaken. That's true, but also might Mama's family have been on the air at this time, or did that premiere yep, in Fall it, of 83? That's it right there. That's okay. it right there. So yeah, she would have made the occasional appearance on Mama's family. All makes sense now. Yes. Yep. And Charles Hayde, he was on Hill Street Blues. Okay, so that's Battle Stars. But let's talk about the main reason why we're here. Let's talk about a show on ABC called All-Star Blitz. The moment I read this info, that song is going to play. So I was basically putting it off for as long as possible. But I can't do that now, can I? All-Star Blitz aired on ABC Daytime from April 8th, 1985 to December 20th, 1985. <sighs> and here's the theme music. All stars 
Baba in the Baba Bigel about the Guja Ma. How'd you get your Maga Bigel a blick on your going? Okay, you get the picture. All three of us were doing our own type of dancing there. That was great. Um, but also, I think we need to add the, the, the scat lyrics, or however you want to phrase that, was never used on the air. That's the version of the theme that's out there. We don't have a clean lyric-free theme. I, I, I don't know if I want to call them lyrics, but there's not a clean theme in the true sense of the word if you will there's this maybe pilot theme or prototype theme or maybe it was used in the ending credits no ending credits didn't have any sort oh, of oh it didn't yeah no Mm-mm-mm. but yeah that's what we got and you, you get the idea about the the theme it's it's a good theme without the lyrics without the scatting i think it's a great theme I know, Benoodles, it's a great theme. You you may hear her chiming in uh, down uh, on the floor here. But with the lyrics, it's absurd. I mean, that's the best word I can give it is absurd. I'm glad they didn't use that theme, though, in, in the, the TV show. It's like, you are going absolutely nowhere with that theme music, and I will not have any of it. But 40 years later, almost, it's like a staple of the internet. Type in All-Star Blitz Team, you're getting scat lyrics. Yep. And I don't even want to analyze the lyrics. Because I don't want to know about someone's big mama to join or, or to join or whatever. They just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't absolute know. nonsense. It was absolutely nonsense. It, I mean... The people who wrote We Go Together from Greece were like, what the hell did we do? It's kind of sad that we're spending more time talking about the theme than we are probably on the TV show itself. Well, the TV show itself was pretty impressive. I mean, the set itself was basically Hollywood Squares with Wheel of Fortune guts. And, you know, Peter Marshall, who hosted the Hollywood Squares, was a natural at this. He knew all of the right notes to hit, and he hit every one of them. I want to say this show is basically better than the uh, fandom at large gives it credit for. That's just me. Well, I think this is definitely the better show between this and Battlestars, and the new Battlestars. Yeah. So this show is played with two contestants, one usually a returning champion, competing to uncover and solve hidden word puzzles with the help of a four-celebrity panel. Each celebrity has three stars above their heads, and the 12 stars are all arranged in a four-by-three sort of situation, so that when you look at it, there are six sort of slide projection, rear projection screens right above the play area. I think the best way to describe it, and this is one of those games as a kid where you'd have like an arrangement of dots and each person would take turns 
draw uh, connecting two of the dots together and then when you get four lines together to form a square you claim that box i think that's the best way of describing this it's it's that type of game that you would have played as a kid with pen and paper okay so each game began with the audience that's us at home getting the number of words in the puzzle and then a number of stars were lit over each panelist at random the player in control, usually the challenger, will choose a celebrity and a position, and then they'll be asked a question, a la Hollywood Squares. Once the celebrity gave an answer, the contestant had to agree or disagree in order to light up that star. If you choose correctly, you can keep control and pick again, but if you make a wrong decision you pass control to your opponent who could choose another star in another position unless that star would be the fourth one around a monitor. And once all four stars around the monitor were lit, the part of the puzzle in that monitor was uncovered and the contestant in control had the option to guess the answer. An incorrect guess forfeited control to your opponent but each part of the puzzle could only be uncovered with a correct determination. If a given star would complete the quartet around more than one monitor, a celebrity could potentially have to answer multiple questions in a row. And it goes on like that until someone solved the puzzle or all six monitors were uncovered, with the player who uncovered the last monitor winning the game by default. And it takes two games to win the match and a prize package, usually valued between 3000 and 4000 And they went on to play the Blitz Bonanza for a growing jackpot that started out, if I'm not mistaken, at $10,000 and raised up 2500 for every time it was not hit. That's actually the second version. Oh, that's the second version. What was the, the, well, you're right about the ten thousand, but originally it was increased by five thousand per miss until a twenty five thousand dollar cap. Okay, so okay. yeah, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty five thousand. Then if uh, on the the next term after the twenty five thousand, it stayed at twenty five thousand, but they later changed it to twenty five hundred dollars, like Chico's talking about, but with a twenty thousand dollar cap. Okay. So here's how the Blitz Bonanza works. You have one final puzzle and a set amount of words that it contained. Later, only the panel and the home audience would get that information. You have four spins of the Blitz Bonanza wheel. And that wheel would randomize the sort of bounce around square thing until it stopped and then that part of the puzzle would be revealed. If you hit that screen again, it is a wasted spin. If fewer than four spaces were covered after the last spin, the champion was given the option to leave the board as it was or give up the prize package that they won in the main game in exchange for one more spin. After every spin, 
the player had 10 seconds to think about what the puzzle is, while the celebrities wrote down their guesses. If you guess correctly, you win the cash jackpot. Simple as that. If not, you still have a chance to win $250 for each celebrity who guessed the puzzle correctly. But at the end of four Blitz Bonanzas, you're done. No matter how much you won, no matter how many puzzles you solved, after four times, you retire as an undefeated champion. And that's the game. Well, hold on. Did you mention that in the bonus round, they were told the number of words that were in the puzzle? I did. I mentioned that. Did you also mention that? I might have missed this. In the main game, they were not told the number of words in the puzzle. I mentioned that. I wish I could do a Morgan Freeman voice and just say right here, no, Chico did not mention them. Well, Chico, that's not the end of the All-Star Blitz story. Well, not in the forum All-Star Blitz. Uh, it did have a short life on uh, USA reruns back in uh, 1986. But believe it or not, the format was actually reused, in a sense, in a 1993 pilot called Hollywood Teasers. The game was essentially the same from what we've seen. The video's not out there, not the full gameplay, just uh, snippets of the pilot. The game itself, and again, details are sort of sparse. It looks like that you captured individual celebrities to get that part of the word or that word in the phrase, but you didn't do it in the sense of battle stars where you had to get the three corners or uh, like all-star bliss, you had to get the four corners of that square. It looks like you just basically had to capture a celebrity just one turn. But the gameplay does look very similar to all-star blitz in the sense of it's a phrase Here's how many words it is associated with every celebrity. There is a part of a word or a word, and you just got to answer the puzzle. The one thing I find really fascinating for this pilot, and I'm guessing this was not made for daytime, is that they got some real big name celebrities on this. This is not your, with all due respect to Charles Nelson Riley, this isn't your Charles Nelson Riley's. Uh, in terms of, yeah, he's a game show celebrity, but what has he done otherwise? These are like actual celebrity celebrities. Listen to these names. This is a big, big, and maybe even now, almost 30 years later, a really big set of celebrities. You had Ed O'Neill. So we're talking about, at that point, Al Bundy. But obviously, he'd go on to maybe even bigger success with Modern Family. You had Pam Anderson. And this would have been, what, maybe the first or second year she joined Baywatch? Because she was with uh, Home Improvement to start? Yeah, she was the original Tool Time girl. So, yeah, I mean, she was definitely a known quantity there. Home Improvement was hugely uh, popular back in uh, the early 90s. But now she's just sort of transitioning to this new role that's 
going to make her an international star. You had Don Rickles, and I mean, I don't think we need to say anything besides Don Rickles. Everybody Don knows Rickles. who. Yeah, Don Rickles, uh, the king of insults, and we'll eventually talk about him on CPO Sharky. Which really, uh, I, I saw a couple of episodes of CPO Sharky over the last week uh, on uh, Crackle. CPO Sharky was not a bad show. We'll do, again, we'll talk about that at some point. Here's one for the younger people who may have been seeing this. I know it's a pilot; they wouldn't see it, but here's the eyes for the younger uh, generation. Mayim Bialik. She would have been Blossom at this point. And obviously, she's gone on to much bigger and better things than Blossom, uh, playing Amy Farrah Fowler on Big Bang Theory. And she's got some sort of little side hustle uh, on uh, Celebrity Jeopardy? Yes. Yeah. And also, Call Me Cat. I mean, that may not be the, the best show in the world, but it's its third season, so got to give us some credit there. Yeah, it's getting some money. Oh, hold on a second. You mentioned Blossom. So you know what I got to say to that? What do you got to say about that? Whoa! Whoa! I think I do. Totally expected, but I have no problem with it. I do not object. Uh, fifth celebrity. Again, big name for 1993. He had his own TV series at this point. Maybe not a big name since then. This is like the one person on this panel that's maybe fizzled a little bit since uh, Hollywood Teasers was recorded. Mark Curry. Yes, hanging with Mr. Cooper, but that's it. No, he was in Armageddon. Oh, like I watch movies. We've established that already. But the last person. Yes, maybe this person hasn't done much in the last, let's say, 20 years. But if you go back to the 80s and early 90s, this person was one of the biggest stand-up comedians. Rita Rudner. She's a legend. Yeah. She's great. So you had six really big celebrities at this point. You had Rob Weller as host, who I can give or take. But again, this is 1993, and game shows were on the decline at this point. Because I think at this point you only had... Uh, Family Feud and uh, Price is Right and like Caesar's Challenge on daytime TV in terms of game shows, that's it. And just as a whole, I mean, uh, what other game shows did you have in syndication? Obviously, yeah. Wheel and Jeopardy. But really, outside of like the Price is Right in 1994 and like the newlywed game returning in 96, you sort of have a bit of a dry spill there from like 92, 93 to like 98 when you had match game and Hollywood squares return. Well, you did have the game block on family channel with Wake Martindale hosting trivial pursuit and a bunch the, of other reruns. But even that didn't last because that only ran for like a year and a half. So you, you, again, you really had a dry streak there. And even then, yeah, you had these uh, Wink Martindale shows, which admittedly were done like on the super cheap and probably on the super fast. But then you had reruns of old shows. You had, at this point, almost 10-year-old reruns of Name That Tune 
and you had at this point 15 year old reruns of face the music and you had like seven eight-year-old reruns of the crosswits or just crosswits not the crosswits the original version we're talking about the inferior version gotcha but uh going back to the schedules uh we did talk about the schedule for the new battle stars it was in the noon slot it replaced just men you didn't have a, a terribly long life to, uh, to say the least the all-star blitz i, I I think there's an obvious reason All-Star Blitz got just pummeled. It replaced Trivia Trap on the schedule, and Trivia Trap was on at 11, and I believe we even talked about this in the Trivia Trap episode. It was going against the first half hour of The Price is Right, and, and, Wheel of Fortune. So talk about a one-two knockout combination. Yeah, obviously you're not going to beat Price is Right, but also you're going up against Wheel of Fortune, which is this point would have been on for a decade and is probably as big as it ever was uh, admittedly because of the, the, the syndicated version, but still. So you had all-star blitz uh, at 11 o'clock to start in June. It moved to 1130. That's not really helping all that much at 1130. You didn't have wheel of fortune, but you still had another powerhouse show in its second year at this point. Scrabble. So do you go against Wheel of Fortune and Price is Right or Scrabble and Price is Right? That, that, that's sort of like saying, well, would you like to die by guillotine or would you like to be electrocuted? I don't really want either one. But then uh, it ultimately uh, got replaced in uh, late December of 1985. If this isn't like the Christmas gift for television viewers in 1985. I don't know what is. It was replaced with the new Love American style. I didn't hear any reaction, so I'll say it again. It was replaced <laughs> by the new Love American style. Yeah, the new Love American style. Because screw the old Love American style. The new Love American style. That's where it's at because it's on videotape, not on that crappy film. Which, let's be honest, who shoots stuff in the 1980s on film? Eh. It's not like film's going to be important later. Film. I just mentioned that because we love our we love American style here for some reason. Even though it's a piece of crap. I just said it for the reaction. But yeah, I mean, that's basically the two shows. Are either of them going to be seen ever again? You never know because uh, doesn't uh, uh, at least the uh, Heater Quigley stuff is owned by Amazon. Is the Merrill Heater stuff owned by Amazon though? I think it is. I think everything uh, just under the Merrill Heater banner is owned by uh, Amazon because I remember when uh, this is like 15 years ago, when uh, MGM originally bought the uh, Heater Quigley Library, it included stuff like Malcolm. So maybe Amazon one day, hey, let's do a revival of this stupid pilot from 1983. Let's do Malcolm for the next generation. Let's not. <laughs> but the point is, it's in the hands of Amazon, and Amazon, who the heck even knows if they know about it? And who knows if Amazon wants to get into 
uh, maybe uh, diversifying their streaming business a little bit more by adding some of their shows from these different libraries that they acquired through uh, the ProTMGM. I don't know. Maybe we'll see it one day. Maybe we'll see Jerry Seinfeld 40 years ago as a up-and-coming comedian. Maybe. But I got to point out this one thing. There are two exceptions to uh, the Hater Quigley Library being owned by Amazon. After Hollywood Squares 86 was canceled, Orion, who helped produce that show, sold the rights to King World Productions. King World Productions was sold to CBS. CBS was sold to Paramount. So Hollywood Squares is now owned by Paramount. Yeah, but the library is still owned by Amazon slash MGM for the two original series. Right. Yeah, yeah, because obviously if we remember Hollywood Squares from, oh my gosh, it's been 24 years since Tom Bergeron's Hollywood Squares premiered. That doesn't make you feel old. I don't know what does. But yeah, that was definitely a a King World joint. But okay, so uh, the original Hollywood Squares and the Davidson Hollywood Squares are in the Amazon family. Uh, What was the other uh, exclusion to that rule? Wacky races. Well, that would be a Hanna-Barbera thing. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, what's existing, I mean, if... if, uh, somebody from Amazon ever does like an inventory of what's in their, their possession. You never know. Maybe it'll be uh, converted one day. Maybe, you know, if they're sitting on 3000 episodes of Hollywood squares for, uh, from its original run, maybe they'll convert it. Who knows? Well, hold on a second. Who's to say that considering Amazon is big on, original stuff especially with thursday night football maybe if they ever want to create an original game show of their own maybe they do a new version of battle stories for the 2020s i doubt it but you never know if they were going to do it again they would probably have to end up changing the name lest they incur the wrath of nbc universal that's what i was just going to say is if they wanted to do some sort of a revival, if, you know, why, first off, but I think the name is going to be an issue because of, of Battlestar Galactica and uh, just confusion because, yeah, I don't know uh, if there was any sort of confusion between Battlestars and Battlestar Galactica because... Battlestar Galactica would have ended, what, about 80 or so? Yeah, Galactica 1980 would have been one and done, so. Okay, then a year later, you've got Battlestars. Totally different show, not even sci-fi. I, I, I think it's too confusing. Or you could just call it Hollywood Triangles, not put it in space. There you go. You could. Triangles are not copyrighted material as far as I know. And if they are, I'd be sued out the wazoo for all the geometry classes I've done. But yeah, I think that's just about all we can say about uh, these Hollywood Squares derivatives. 
yeah, they tried. They weren't as good as the original. They didn't have a lot of people from the original. They did have some familiar faces. I mean, you, you did see Charles Nelson Riley on all these shows, and you did see Abby Dalton at least on uh, All Star Blitz and uh, other familiar faces. But ultimately, the competition and the time slots these shows were put in, it sort of sealed their fate. And that's why, unfortunately, these shows, Battlestars, New Battlestars, All-Star Blitz, they're sadly just things on TV. The Hollywood teasers was this close to being a thing on TV. I would have watched the heck out of it. Seriously. I love All-Star Blitz. I love All-Star Blitz and just again, there was nothing else going on at the time because game shows were passe back uh, 25, 28, 30 years ago. Yeah, I mean, the show isn't bad, but, you know, you kind of lose people at the theme music, even though I will say, and I have no problem in saying this, it was a bop. Oh, it is. Again, get rid of the, the scat lyrics. It's a bop. It's a throwback to like the 50s. That's what it is. Talking about 50s music, not 50s game show themes. Just saying. Uh, Now, the 50s game shows were kind of sort of fixed. So I'm surprised they didn't have Tom Poston running from backstage with something. Then the announcer saying, hold on, Tom Poston's coming to cash in the money in the bank. No, I'm not doing that yet. <laughs> you tried. N- nice try. But no. Still got like what? Six months. Six months. Yeah, you got six months. Yeah. Well, can't blame a guy for trying, eh? Well, on that disappointment, it's time to end. Don't forget we are online at it was a thing on TV.com. We're on all social media. That is currently online as we are recording this on It Was a Thing on TV, except for Facebook, because Peter Marshall spun the Blitz Bonanza Wheel one too many times. So we ended up getting It Was a Thing on TV podcast. And don't forget, we are available where all fine podcasts can be streamed. Remember, like, subscribe. Share, review, five stars only because positive vibes only. And if you're on YouTube, don't forget to hit the notification bell so you can stay up to date on all of our future entries, including two we have for, oh dear, it's the fourth Thursday in November again. You know what that means. Hey, guys. Just want to see if you guys find a little pattern here, okay? Okay. So in 2019, we did the 1983 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. In 2020, we did the 1984 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. In 2021, we did the 1985 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I wonder what one of the things we'll cover next week is. Hmm. But also, we have a very special episode for the second episode on Thanksgiving. And, well, I got a question. 
What are we all thankful for? I'm thankful for many things. I, I've been through a lot the last two years, and I'm, I'm thankful for being here. Thankful for family. Thankful for friendships like this. Yeah, but you know what? Th I'm thankful for all our listeners. Now give us a five-star review. I'm thankful for everybody who's listening to this. But you know five what? stars only, positive vibes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what I'm thankful for, guys? Alan King. He is the gift that keeps on giving. You're not wrong. Yes. And you'll find out more about that next week, right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you with those two special Thanksgiving episodes starting on Monday. Row! Bubba's is a bubba, bubba, bubba is a ba. Huh!